Chapter 81 Jolene accompanied Pamela to Lena Luther's funeral, Anthony to Lois Lane's. Pam held Barbara's hand through Dick's, and Barbara, well, she passed away in her sleep two years after that. Just didn't wake up one morning. Pam sat between her children at that funeral, Damien beside them, gripping Cass' hand, offering her the support that she couldn't ask for, but desperately needed in that moment, as she mourned the loss of her final adopted parent. There was a lot Pam wished she could have said to Barbara. Mainly that she loved her, and that she was honored to have been part of her life. Honored to have known her. But there was no use talking to a corpse. She'd learned from Harley's death that no matter how you begged and pleaded, the cold body you clutched to your chest would remain cold. Empty. Barbara's soul had already moved on, Pamela knew that, but it didn't stop her from leaning over the open casket and pressing a kiss to the woman's forehead, murmuring, carrot tops are green, against her skin. Pamela remembered going to a drive-in movie theater as a teenager. Just once. The boy had asked nicely, and his parents were important clients to her father, so she'd gone, worn his sweater around her shoulders because he'd offered it, not because she was cold. The movie had been about a group of kids roughly Pam's age at the time, although she reckoned the actors playing them were quite a few years older. It was set in California, and was considered fairly risque for the time, being that the swimsuits the women wore were rather revealing. They lounged on the beach while the boys and their posse went out to surf. Of course, Pamela found the images of the women laying on the beach in revealing swimwear considerably more entrancing than the other plot line, but there was one scene she'd always remember. It depicted one of the boys, the shortest one with the darkest hair, falling off his surfboard into the water, and each time he'd break the surface, gasping for air, another punishing wave would thrust him back underwater. There was nothing the boy could do but let the waves crash on top of him, and hope he'd eventually end up back on shore. That's what Pamela had felt like nearly every year since Harleen's death. Like there was a punishing surf at her back beating her into the ocean floor with wave after wave of tragedy. She had Clark and Kara, though. She felt almost silly saying it, but their friendship meant more than she could articulate with words. They met at least three times a week in one of the Watchtower's smaller conference rooms. Some of their colleagues referred to their gatherings as grief group, which bothered Pamela at the beginning, until she realized that's exactly what it was. A place to mourn the immense losses of their lives with the only people that could ever hope to understand. Ivy sighed as she lowered herself into her seat. Is it lesbian pride day on Krypton or something? Clark and Kara looked equally confused by her jab. There's just, a lot of plaid in this room right now, Pam explained, nodding towards the Kryptonians' nearly matching shirts, tucked into almost equally identical pairs of darkly washed jeans. Oh, I'm just from Kansas, Clark told her, like maybe she was truly confused. I'm not a lesbian. Sure you are, Ivy doubled down. Reported the news every night on MSNBC, right? Clark narrowed his eyes on her. That's Rachel Maddow, and I think you know that. Ivy shrugged, sighing again as her gaze shifted to Kara, the younger woman's gaze empty as she stared down into her own lap. How are you doing, Kara? I'm just tired of being lonely, the blonde murmured, tears somehow already gathering in her eyes. It's been nine years but I still can't, breathe at night, without her. And everyone, they, like, they think it should all be okay by now, 
but how can it all be okay? She's still gone. I'm still, I'm still alone, the house is still empty, and now it, it doesn't even smell like her anymore. It feels like she's gone now. Really. And that hurts worse than the lingering. Because at least I still felt attached, you know? I'm sorry, she apologized, shutting her eyes. Didn't mean to just launch in, sometimes I feel like I just blabber on and on to you guys. But it's, there are ways I'm getting better, and ways I somehow feel like I'm getting worse. And I don't want to get worse. I want life to have meaning again, want it to have color, it's just, man, what a terrible process. Clark nodded. Nineteen years, and sometimes John's the only way I can even get out of bed in the morning, he admitted. I look at him, and, there's just enough of her in there, in his eyes, and I think about how much she loved him, and, Pam, you must know what I'm talking about, that life I was allowed to share, and help create, and it's all okay for a second. But then you remember, and those same eyes make you just as sad as they were happy. Pam nodded mutely, looking down at the wedding and engagement rings she still wore, running the pad of her index finger gently over the emerald-encrusted bands. I don't know when it's supposed to change, Kara. Twenty-one years for me, and yes, the pain does feel, fuller. But then again, the whole world feels duller. I'm every bit as empty as my house, every bit as empty as my bed, but you're right, Clark, it is my children, human or otherwise, that convince me to start my next day. Yeah, well, Kara wiped her eyes. Guess I shoulda had kids, then. Clark reached out and squeezed her hand. You'll always have me, Kara. I am your family, you know that. Kara nodded, painting on a watered-down smile. I know. I'm just, ugh, she took a deep breath. It's been good to be working again. Helpful. Lena always believed in my reporting. It made her sad when I had to quit and change my name. So it feels like, in a way, I'm doing this for her too. Her and I. I found distraction to be vital, Pam agreed. And you have a friend in me as well, Kara. You know that, don't you? Yeah, Kara smiled sweetly, so did Clark, actually. And you're a good friend, Pamela. Oh, she suddenly straightened up, obviously having been reminded of something. I meant to tell you, I'll be in Gotham tomorrow, interviewing your daughter for the trials thing. She seems very excited. She hasn't shut up about it for two years, Pam smiled with genuine amusement. She would never grow tired of Kara's exuberance. There was something so familiar about it, and it had been gone for some time, despite the woman's attempts at faking it. But little by little, day by day, group by group, she'd seen mirth slowly creep back into those bright blue eyes. She was still healing, or trying to, at least, but the passion with which she discussed her stories reassured Pamela that Kara would be okay eventually. That she was on the road to being okay now. I'm relieved it's finally happening, the topic is honestly growing tiresome. She really loves it, huh? Kara grinned. Gymnastics? Oh, yes, Pam laughed. Besides her children and her husband, I can't imagine she loves anything more, although, Pam narrowed her eyes. Thoughtfully. She might honestly prefer gymnastics to Damien, I suppose we'll never know. I'm just aware I've misjudged her affection for the sport before. Kara chuckled as Clark checked his watch, saying, I should get going, 
and grabbing his blazer off the back of his chair as he stood up. They didn't always have hours to spare, sometimes they had only minutes. But some days a minute was all they needed. See you tomorrow, cuz, Kara waved after him, Pam following suit, though without the verbal goodbye. When he was gone, Kara turned back to Pam. Anyway, can I call you afterwards? Maybe we can get dinner or something? You know I'm always hungry. Oh, yes, sure, Pam rose from her chair as well. Just, um, yeah, she smiled. Call me. The number one goal is, of course, that everything runs smoothly, Joe was saying, continuing her tour of the facility. Of course, that's easier said than done, but at this point, we're feeling confident. Kara was struggling to keep up, pushing her glasses back up her nose, hurrying her steps. Did you, um, have you, I'm sorry, she apologized, grabbing Joe's arm to slow her down. You're obviously a lot better at maneuvering in heels than me. And has anyone ever told you that you talk a little fast? Joe laughed. Off the record, I thought you, of all people, would be able to keep up. And on the record, I will continue to make high heels my bitch until the day I die. Any more questions? Just a few, Kara flipped through her reporter pad, aware that it was outdated, but craving the familiarity. I'm a little rusty, I'm sorry. That's all right. Joe smiled, absently trailing her fingers across the balance beam they'd paused in front of. Um, why was it so important to you that the trials come to Gotham? Kara asked, not yet looking up from her notebook. I heard the bidding got expensive. Joe's eyes flitted to her fingers, tapping them rhythmically on the beam's beige surface. I think, the negative reputation Gotham earned continues to be this, pervasive, overpowering, falsified reality of what the city truly is. It's not even in the top three most crime-ridden cities in America anymore. It's safer than ever, and I, I want people to get to know the Gotham that I've experienced. This is where I grew up. My mother was born here, and the Waynes were one of Gotham's first families. You've gotta give things a second chance, her plea was earnest. And this city has made significant strides in the last few decades. With help from the Bat family in the Justice League, of course. I want America to tune in and see that. I want young gymnasts out there to know that this city, and the Harleen Quinzel Memorial Gym, have a lot to offer. We're just, Joe laughed. We're tired of being known as Metropolis' ugly stepsister. Or, drunk uncle, more accurately. Kara chuckled as she copied that last part down. This must be so interesting for you, as someone who so famously didn't go on to actually comp. Oh, no one cares about that, Joe cut her off, dismissing the question. In gymnastics, the best of the best don't make it much older than 22. It's an early retirement for even the most decorated competitors, and I'm a 61-year-old woman without a medal to my name. I'm a fan. That's it. Gymnastics, it'll always be my first love, and getting to host the trials, see these girls' dreams. Come true right before my eyes, in my city, it's truly the honor of my life, and I'm a mother to three children, she joked. Well, I guess that's it then, Kara smiled, marking her paper with an overzealous period, and closing up the notebook. I really appreciate you showing me around. Course, Joe grinned, making a sweeping arm gesture at the facilities and taking a deep breath. 
Like I said, this is all such an honor, that I paid a lot of money for, but at the end of the day, who gives a shit? I have to spend my money somewhere. Are you headed back to National City tonight? She changed the subject. Or did you get a hotel? Oh, well I'm actually going to meet your mom for dinner at the, um. She got her cell phone out, scrolling quickly through her texts. The Iceberg Lounge. Joe raised an eyebrow. Mom's taking you to dinner at the Iceberg? Kara didn't exactly know how to respond. She found Joe's delivery strange. Is it, is that weird? Well, no, Joe laughed. Actually, I think, fucking, finally, is a better reaction. Are you wearing that? The blonde glanced down at her sweater vest and khakis. Yes? Is that, I mean, is this okay? Is there a dress code or something? Um. Joe squinted, looking her up and down. You know what? I think you're fine. She decided, reaching out to dust Kara's shoulder off. It's cute, and it's, God, it's so on brand, she laughed. Pam checked her watch again. 8.06, she'd said 8 o'clock. But it's a strange city for her, Pam reminded herself. Maybe she got lost. Or maybe she just, isn't all that interested in punctuality. Anyway, what does it matter? Honestly, Pamela had no idea why she felt so nervous. Or why she'd spent so long deciding on her dress. She knew she looked good in anything, and she'd already thoroughly impressed Kara. They'd been friends a long time. It wasn't as if this was their first meeting, or even their first time hanging out together outside the tower. Hanging out, Pam mocked herself. It sounded so, high school. She was taking a sip of her sparkling water at the bar when the front door opened, and Kara stepped in, fiddling nervously with her glasses. Pam smiled instantly at that. She'd always found the movement so endlessly endearing. You don't actually need those, do you? Ivy asked rhetorically, her eyes still closed. Harley sat upright, alarmed at the sudden disturbance and a bit embarrassed for how intently she'd been staring. Your glasses. Ivy clarified when she didn't respond. They're not prescription, are they? Pam stared down into her glass, aware that Kara had spotted her and was quickly making her way over. Hi, the blonde greeted, sounding slightly out of breath. I'm so sorry I'm late I, well, there was a donut cart on the corner, and see, I didn't even know donut carts were a thing. It's okay, Pam assured her, holding in a laugh. Really, I understand. My children have similar metabolisms, we were always stopping off at odd places because they were hungry. Kara looked visibly relieved. Thank you. She trailed off slightly as she took her first real look at Pam, her eyes going wide with embarrassment. Oh no, you dressed up. Jolene said this might, I'm so underdressed. She buried her face in her hands. No. No, it's. Pam looked down at herself studying how her own green dress clung tightly to her waist and hips. Perhaps I'm overdressed. I don't go out with friends all that often anymore. The one who used to take me here died some time ago, and the cat my daughter bought to fill that void within me is much too old to take me to dinner anymore. Kara peeked out from behind her fingers with a laugh. I didn't know you had a cat. 
I do, Pam smiled. She's 21 years old and categorically refuses to die. We rarely get along, but I suppose that's the point. The blonde didn't answer immediately, just smiled at her, but when she did, she said, So do you, um, want to sit down? Of course, yes, sorry, you're hungry, now Pamela was the one embarrassed. I had a table res. She trailed off as she looked over her shoulder. Damn it, she snapped her head back around. What? Kara frowned, her eyes wandering in the direction Pam had just abandoned. Hey, isn't that your granddaughter? I didn't think she'd be here tonight, Pam lamented, gulping down the rest of her water. Kara looked confused. Don't you, like your granddaughter? Of course I do, Pam assured her. I just don't particularly like watching her. She's coming over. She's coming over, Kara interrupted in an excited whisper. And Pam felt a hand lightly trail around her waist soon after. You know, Daisy began. Ives, fuck. Hey, Grandma, she took a noticeably different tone mid-sentence, her face bright red when Pam whipped around to look at her. Were you about to hit on me? Pam asked, appalled. Daisy wrinkled her nose, looking like the question pained her. I really wish my answer could be no. Pam pulled a nearly identical expression, suddenly very uncomfortable in her tight dress. Um, if it's any consolation, Daisy attempted to cut the tension. You can't hate me more than I hate myself right now. I believe you, Pam granted. But I also already see a rather lovely young woman sitting at the table you abandoned. Yeah, well, Daisy signaled the bartender. I like this view better, and now I would very much like to die. He gave her a drink without even taking her order, and she gave him a cordial nod as thanks, downing it in one go. Who's your friend? Oh, um, Kara, Kara smiled sheepishly as she introduced herself, extending a hand. Kara, Daisy smiled, bringing the hand to her lips. I'm really loving this pencil pusher look. What do you? Daisy, stop it, Pam snapped. There are plenty of other options here. The younger woman looked puzzled for a moment, glancing between them, before realization seemed to dawn. Oh. Right, well, my sincerest apologies, Kara. Can I get you anything? Whatever you want, it's on me. I happen to know the owner, she gave a playful wink. She is the owner, Pam explained the joke to Kara. Ah, that's, that's very kind, Ms. Wayne, Kara flushed slightly, turning to the bartender herself now, asking for a club soda. Daisy took the opportunity to give Pam two thumbs up, mouthing, she's cute, I love the. And pantomiming Kara adjusting her glasses. Pam hurriedly waved her off. Kara was smiling when she turned back around with her drink. So, how long have you owned this place? Five years now. Daisy told her with a proud smile. Had to wait until I had the funds to purchase it on my own. The trust fund baby narrative isn't exactly flattering. Well it's really, I mean, just so beautiful, Kara let her eyes sweep her surroundings. Really lovely. Emicham. Daisy smiled, though it was clear her attentions had wandered. All right, weigh in here for me, she tugged on Pam's dress, encouraging her to follow her gaze. Blonde or brunette? Blonde, Pam answered immediately, 
at the same time as Kara was saying, brunette. Daisy laughed as they looked at each other oddly. It was a trick question anyway. I want the strawberry blonde in the corner, she nodded in that direction. Kara frowned behind her glasses as she studied the woman Daisy was referring to. Doesn't she look a little like? Daisy, that woman looks exactly like your mother, Pam was more blunt. No, no, the blue dress. Right there. Talking to the fuck boi, Daisy attempted to clarify. Sweetheart, Pam laughed. If you put that woman in a leotard I'd tell you it was my daughter. Wh, no, Daisy adamantly shook her head. Nice try, Grandma, if you think you're gonna scare me straight. Pam chuckled, opening up her clutch. I'll tell you what. She retrieved a $100 bill, and slid it across the bar until it brushed Daisy's hand. I'm willing to bet that woman is a collegiate athlete. She gave the girl in question a more thorough look over. She's, in her 3rd year at Gotham State. Run track. The 400M, to be specific, Pam decided. And, actually, let's up the stakes. She pulled another $100 out of her clutch. Double or nothing, she's a psychology major. Daisy scoffed. Mom didn't even go to college. Incorrect, Pam leaned against the bar. She went to community college for three years, just never graduated. You want to guess what her major was? Ooh. Kara piped up. She knew this one. Child psychology. Pam smiled condescendingly at her granddaughter. Go ahead, she nodded towards the doppelganger. Tell me if she's anything different. Daisy rolled her eyes, running a quick hand through her hair. Fine. Hate taking money from an old lady, but it's your funeral. Good luck, Pam smiled after her, she and Kara watching intently as Daisy left them, crossing the floor and moving quickly to draw the woman's attention away from the man she was talking to. Anyway, Pam exhaled, returning her attention to Kara. Apologies, I realize this might not be the right place for your unique dietary requirements. Oh, Kara looked a little disappointed. Well, I liked meeting Daisy. We get to work with Lila and Terry every day, but for some reason I always forget there's a third. I think she might prefer it that way, Pam told her. But, if you'd like, you could watch the trials with us tomorrow? You'll get to see all three of them in one place. Kara's face lit up. I'd love to. I mean, um, she cleared her throat, obviously trying to tamp down her enthusiasm. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Pam was about to smile and tell Kara they'd say goodbye to Daisy and go find some place that served something other than glorified, overpriced appetizers, but she was derailed by the image of Daisy leading the doppelganger towards the door with her arm around her waist. She did stop off at the bar before leaving, though, reaching into her pocket for five $100 bills, folding them neatly and depositing them into Pam's hand. There's $300 extra to ensure this stays between us, Daisy muttered quickly leaving before Pam could respond, ushering the woman out the door. Pam glanced down at the money in her hand. I feel like we should burn this. Kara laughed out loud, finishing with a little snort. Kara liked the way Pamela's eyes lit up when she talked about things she loved. Her favorites were the stories about Harley and the kids. 
It felt like she was letting Kara into this secret little world, locked away in her heart, her secret garden. Like the book. And, for the record, Jolene was right, Gotham was different than Kara remembered. The air felt lighter somehow, a gentle breeze rustling through the leaves of the trees that were spaced evenly on each sidewalk. Window boxes filled with colorful flowers spilled from the second stories of each building they passed. And it smelled, fresh. Clean. Different than before. Did you do all this? Kara asked, her fingers trailing over the rough bark of one of the trees. Pam smiled, glancing up at the tree beneath Kara's touch. It's taken almost 80 years to arrive here, she admitted. Since the day Harley dragged me out of that cell and into the sunlight, I've been working. There's always room to improve, but… She watched as a car passed overhead. It gets easier to breathe with each passing day. Easier for my babies to survive, Gotham is finally a city I'm proud to call home. That must be incredibly rewarding, to have your work mean something, Kara said, glancing over at the redhead as they continued their walk back to Kara's hotel. You say that as if your work is meaningless, Pam remarked. Kara shrugged. I will do my best. But I'm not literally helping keep the heart of the planet pumping. We all have our different strengths, Pam reminded her, slowing to a stop in front of a bubbling marble fountain. You're a role model to every young girl I've ever met. And it's not as if you've been unhelpful with my conservation project, she pulled a few coins out of her pocket, handing one of them to Kara. I know, after what happened with Krypton, there are few causes more important to you than keeping this planet alive and well. Kara nodded. It was true. She'd seen her entire planet die, all because her people failed to take care. Their leadership failed to heed the warnings of the planet's top scientists, it still hurt. That feeling of overwhelming helplessness. Pamela knew that feeling too. Her people, human or otherwise, died every day, and she couldn't be numb to any of it. What would you wish for? Kara nodded at the coin in Pam's hand. If you threw that away knowing your wish would come true. What would you wish for? Pam turned the coin over in her hand, staring thoughtfully down at it, before her eyes became glassy. There was a Christmas once, a long time ago, Pam began. Almost sixty years ago now. The kids were young, but old enough that I felt like I knew them, she pursed her lips, pausing for a moment. And Harley, she loved Christmas so much. She was Jewish, but she loved Christmas more than all of us. The faint smile Pam was wearing melted away after that thought. I asked her if she'd stay with me that night. The kids were sleeping, and she pulled me to my feet to dance, and I, I can still feel that, in my heart, that fullness, that security in her arms as we swayed to the music. Pam pressed down on the coin with her thumb. And I told her it could be like this forever. Told her I could make her like me. That I could keep her, if she'd let me. Kara was sure she knew how this story ended, but her stomach clenched with grief nonetheless. There was still so much love in Pamela's voice when she spoke about her wife. So much affection. And, she said no, Pam finished. She said she was mine as long as she was here, but that she couldn't stay forever. So, what's your wish? Kara asked, her voice small. She wondered if Harleen knew how much Pam missed her. Wherever she was. Wetting her lips, Pamela said, 
I suppose I wish she'd had a different answer. But if not, I'd ask to live one more moment that night. With my children asleep on the couch behind me, and my head resting on my wife's shoulder. Just, to feel her chest against mine, her arms around my back, just one more moment of warmth. That's what I'd wish for. Kara's eyes had welled up with tears, but she smiled at Pamela nonetheless, softly, sweetly. I'd wish for that too. Pam chuckled, though it sounded a bit nervous. You'd spend your wish on me? Kara nodded. Lena wouldn't want me to go back, she was all about moving forward. And I think, seeing her again, it would hurt too much. I'm not brave enough to rip those scabs off. You remind me of her, though, Kara said, the words slipping out before she could think better of them. Pam turned to her, raising a curious eyebrow. I remind you of Lena? Again, Kara nodded silently. Why? Pam smiled, almost despite herself, it seemed. Well. Kara shoved her hands deep into her pockets, looking down at the water rather than attempting to hold Pam's gaze. Her eyes were very green. Greener than Lena's, even, and Lena's eyes had been very green. You're smart, she began. The kind of smart that's intimidating sometimes. Fierce. And you're, very pretty, beautiful, she quickly corrected. The kind of beauty that shakes you, right to your very core. Kara's gaze finally flitted back to meet her, and she found that Pam was still watching her. The kind of beauty that makes it hard to even look at you, but, even harder to look away. Pamela blushed, yes, Poison Ivy actually blushed. Turns out she could do that when her skin wasn't green. She bit her lip to contain a smile, and shyly tucked a strand of loose red hair behind her ear, eyes on her feet when she said, I hope the potstickers were to your liking. Kara grinned. Any chance that place delivers to National City? Pam chuckled, braving another moment of eye contact. I think just about anything's possible for Supergirl. They waited for a moment in a comfortable silence, the sound of the bubbling fountain punctuating the night, before Pamela spoke again. I'll pick you up tomorrow. Blinking, as if awoken from a trance, Kara realized she was a bit disappointed that the night had to end. It had been so wonderful, getting to spend time with someone. Someone that had successfully distracted her from her loneliness. Someone that, somehow, had always been able to. I thought you were walking me to my hotel? The redhead nodded up at the building behind the fountain. And so I have. Oh, Kara flushed with embarrassment. Right, duh. I, I had a really wonderful night. Pam smiled, her eyes sparkling, hair shining in the glow of the street lamp. Yeah, me too. Chapter 82 Kara tightened her ponytail as Pam led her through the hallway in search of their seats. Kara didn't much care for stadiums. They were always very loud, aggressive and overwhelming, not exactly something people with super hearing look forward to. She much preferred watching outdoor sports, just because she liked feeling the sun on her face and getting to sit on the grass. But the Quinzels are a gymnastics family, Kara nodded resolutely. Gymnastics and, basketball? Hadn't Duke played basketball? Kara thought she remembered Pam saying something about Duke playing basketball. She'd ask her later. Or maybe she'd ask Duke. Would she see Duke? Pamela seemed just as nervous about the venue, but also happy to see her family all in one place. 
So Kara decided she would be happy about that too. That's what she kept reminding herself as they entered the arena at nearly ground level, because of course that's where Joe would sit, she wanted to be close to the action. Pam said Anthony had even flown in from San Francisco. Though, as Kara scanned the section Joe had blocked out for them, it seemed Karen had stayed behind. Jolene paused her seemingly heated conversation with, wait, why was she here, again? Oh. With Terry's wife to wave Pam and Kara over, and when Pam looked back at Kara to make sure she was following, the blonde couldn't help but smile excitedly. She liked Jolene. Liked her a whole lot. She was smart, funny, and obviously very important, and yes she cussed a lot, but adults were allowed to cuss. Kara just, chose not to. And it sounded cooler when Jolene did it, anyway. So happy you could make it, Kara, Joe smiled up at her after they'd scaled the short flight of stairs and arrived at their seats. Kara grinned at Joe and gave a nervous little wave to Damien who sat beside her, a little boy with hair just as black as Terry's on his lap. Who's the little one? Kara wondered. She suddenly yearned for her reporter pad. She didn't want to forget anything. Any name or relation. The boy looked up from the cup he was holding, absently swirling his hand over the top, his blue eyes nearly glowing as he regarded her. I'm Garth. And I'm not little, I'm six. Oh, of course, Kara apologized profusely, nodding ardently at the boy. I can see now that you're very big. Garth seemed to appreciate the correction, though he didn't respond again his attention instead falling back to the water in his cup. Terry's son, Pam explained in a whisper, before nodding down at the little red-headed girl playing patty cake with an older woman, about Anthony's age, if Kara had to guess, two rows down. And that's his daughter, Tula. Oh. Of course. It only took one look for it to make sense. Kara's smile broadened as she watched the girl. They're so cute. Shoo, Terry scolded, reaching around Damien's shoulders from behind to quickly cover Garth's ears. Quinzel Isley parenting rule number one, Kara. Narcissism comes naturally. Delilah's snicker assured Kara it was a joke, which she was relieved at, but Pam raised an eyebrow. Was that aimed at me or your mother? Blanket statement, Terry assured her. I'm not exempt. Pam narrowed her eyes at him deciding whether or not he should get away with it. Fine, she eventually decided. But you're on thin ice. Terry grinned, ruffling Garth's hair before retracting his hands, Damien shrugging his shoulders to speed up the process, as he clearly hadn't been a fan of the position. Kara liked that Pam got to work with two of her grandkids on a daily basis. She remembered how sad she and Harlene had looked when Joe turned down the Justice League position. Pam was probably still a little sad about that, Pam seemed to be sad about a lot of things, but working with Joe's kids had to be some consolation. Kara certainly enjoyed it. Pam let Kara sit beside Joe, while she took the seat next to her, the one directly in front of Delilah. I just don't see why we can't be friends, Joe, Marina picked up the conversation they'd evidently put on hold to say their hellos. Joe whipped around in her seat to face her once more and Kara flinched at the sudden change in tone. We were friends, Marina. We were good friends. She lowered her volume to a harsh whisper. But now you're sleeping with my son, and that's a little weird for me. Marina rolled her eyes. 
I'm not sleeping with your son, Jolene, I'm married to him. We have two children together. What do you want me to do, she sounded legitimately distressed. Atlantines age at a much slower rate, I'm just doing what feels natural. Joe looked like she couldn't believe what she was hearing. What feels natural is UF. She waited until Damien had covered Garth's ears. Fucking the child of a colleague you met six years before he was even born? Christ, Marina, you came to the fucking baby shower. Terry exhaled aggressively. Why do you have to make everything gross, Mom? M, me make everything gross? Joe was appalled. You're, that is, are you, no. You know what? No, she turned back around to face the floor. Marina was chewing her lip. Is that a no on the coffee date, then? Joe pointedly ignored her, and Terry rolled his eyes. You're being really immature, Mom. Oh, go fuck a dolphin, Terence, Joe dismissed him, and only then did Damien lift his hands away from Garth's ears. Pam appeared apologetic when she looked at Kara, but the blonde wasn't paying much attention to her at that moment. Her mind was reeling. Before Pam could speak, Kara whispered, I totally forgot why that was weird. How did I forget how weird that was? The redhead held in a laugh, which genuinely surprised Kara. You don't think it's weird? No, I definitely do, Pam assured her in a whisper. But Joe's so thoroughly disgusted by it, I can't help but get a little enjoyment out of the situation. Joe leaned over in front of Kara, joining their conversation. I like to whisper too. I'm not deaf. And you two couldn't look more like superheroes trying to disguise themselves if you tried. Kara sheepishly adjusted her glasses while Pam did the same, though with less embarrassment, looking down at the blouse she'd tucked into a pair of jeans, and then over at Kara whose Oxford shirt was worn in much the same fashion. I should have worn a skirt, Pam realized. The pants aren't the problem, Mom. It's the glasses, isn't it? It's the glasses, Joe confirmed, pulling back to accept the soda a blonde woman, about Joe's same age, was offering her. What do you think, Court? Johnson, Williams, James and, Park? Court shook her head, Court was probably short for Courtney, sitting down in front of her. I like Stepanoff, she'll go before Park. Joe laughed. They're not taking two bar specialists, honorable. The blonde postured a bit. Well, speaking as a bar specialist. Ah, uh, biased, Anthony interjected as he arrived, leaning down to give Pam a hug. Hey, Mom, he turned his face to kiss her on the cheek. Pam didn't let him separate for another few moments, her grip tight around his back. Eight months was too long, she murmured, and Kara smiled down into her lap at the utterance. She's a good mom. You're telling me, Anthony smiled against her cheek. But you know what, he finally pulled back. You can visit me too, you know. You do possess the ability to leave Gotham City for reasons besides Justice League business. Pam ran an affectionate hand through his gray hair. I know. And Kara, Anthony looked surprised, but pleasantly so. I didn't know you were a gymnastics fan. You came all the way out here for this? Well, I, um, I had an interview, Kara explained herself, catching maybe a bit of insinuation in his tone. Though Kara didn't totally know what he was getting at.
She was interviewing me, Joe saved her, though, again, Kara wasn't totally sure why she needed saving. Believe it or not, some people actually care what I have to say. MMM. Anthony squinted thoughtfully. Sounds fake. Is Duke coming? Pam asked, before Joe could respond. Anthony turned to look at the stairway, smiling as Duke and his family ascended it. Kara, you remember my son, Duke, and his wife, Tiffany, he reintroduced them. And this is their daughter, Max. Max was about ten, by the looks of it, and very cute. Just like every other person in this family. It was actually a bit strange, Kara realized, the sheer level of attractiveness that surrounded her. She supposed that's what you get when you start a family with poison ivy. And Harleen had been really pretty too, if memory serves. Are you a superhero? Max asked her right off the bat. Kara choked on air as the question pulled her out of her thoughts. She liked kids, loved them, actually, but didn't think she'd ever told one her secret. Does Pam want me to answer? It's the glasses, Kara, Joe reiterated, breaking the tension. Is it really? When did eyeglasses become a tell? Max nodded at her. It's okay, though, both my parents are superheroes. I can keep a secret. But. Kara looked between Duke and Tiffany. Neither of them wear glasses. And, your grandpa wears glasses, but he's not a superhero. Max blinked in response, then frowned like she was trying to put it all together, and Tiffany laughed, patting her daughter on the back. You can try again later, baby. The girl forfeited, putting her headphones in and plopping down into an empty seat. Pam smiled over at Kara like she approved of her light-hearted handling of the situation, and Kara was powerless against the blush that spread beneath her skin. Pamela's smiles, her genuine smiles, were so warm, Kara supposed not many people would guess that. But she knew it to be true. Just like everyone else she was now sitting with new. An exclusive, secret club, and Kara was now a member. Or, was she? She hoped she was. She hoped she and Pamela could be closer friends now. Kara missed her friends. She didn't have many these days. They'd all left her too. Just like Selena and Barbara had left Pam. Daisy was the last of the party to arrive, but when she did, she was wearing dark sunglasses and a ball cap pulled down over her eyes, a cup of coffee clutched in her hand. They all watched curiously as she crossed quickly in front of them, not acknowledging anyone until she'd stopped in front of Joe, where she dug into her pocket and rather unceremoniously thrust forward a jewelry box big enough for earrings. Here. Joe looked at her strangely, reaching out a hand to take it before Daisy stopped her. Don't look at me, she snapped, red cheeks visible even while sporting her incognito look, her tone startling Garth, who immediately jumped off of Damien's lap and went to join his sister. Or talk to me, or touch me, Daisy. Continued. When you take this, I need it to be with your palms, not your fingers. Um, okay, psycho, Joe said, cautiously holding out her hand for Daisy to deposit the box which she did quickly before moving to take a seat next to her sister. Kara was fiercely biting her lip at this point, both to hide her smile and to withhold the information she'd been party to. But Pamela didn't seem to see the need to hide anything. Her smile was wry, like she was enjoying this very much, 
waiting to see how it would play out. Joe frowned as she opened the box, smiling slightly at the diamond earrings, but clearly aware she was missing something. Did you buy these? Of course not, Daisy scoffed, receiving a nudge from her sister. Did she, find them? Kara wondered. That's lucky. Lila snickered. Rough night? I don't want to talk about it, Daisy mumbled into her coffee, saying, no, when Joe turned around, looking to ask a follow-up question. She was probably with the Vreeland girl again, Lila teased. You know, the one you specifically told her to stay away from, Mom. Daisy, goddammit, Joe ignored her daughter's request, turning in her chair to face her. I have to sit with her idiot mother at every gala we attend. Would it really be so hard to make my life just a little easier? Just, don't fuck the Vreeland girl? That's all I asked of you. One thing. Kara leaned into Pam's ear, confused. Does the Vreeland girl not have a first name? She does, but they're all named Veronica, as far as we're concerned, Pam explained. Kara wasn't, totally sure what that meant, but it seemed like maybe it was a joke that they were all in on. Kara wanted to be in on the joke. Daisy sighed. No, I was not fucking the Vreeland girl. The Vreeland girl got clingy. And you're just not built for monogamy, right? Damien mocked, though he didn't turn around. Oh, yeah, hey, by the way, Terry cut in. I like how you guys are all judgmental about me and Marina's age difference, but completely turn a blind eye to the fact that Daisy still sleeps with college students, even though she's 36 just like the rest of us. God, is that why you're doing this hungover cryptid thing? Because some teenager kept you up all night? Joe asked, in a tone that communicated she was about 500% done with this behavior. Kara gripped Pam's hand tightly. She's on to her. Almost too tight, actually. Though she realized that a little late. Kara. The blonde looked down at their joined hands, and then retracted hers immediately. Her face once again went red. Sorry. She was nervous for Daisy, but all this blushing was tiring her out. I'm not a pervert, Mom, Daisy exhaled. She was 22. Now please get your hand off my knee. She runs track at GSU, Pam piped up as Joe retracted her hand. Kara flinched at the sharp look Daisy shot their way, but Pam was unfazed. Really? Joe was intrigued. Do you think you'll see her again? No, never, Daisy answered immediately, before her curiosity seemed to get the better of her. Why? Well, there's this woman, babe, what was her name, she posed the question to Damien. The 400M runner who looks just like me? Seriously, mom, you'd laugh. We were watching a meet the other day, and I swear, put this woman in a leotard and I'd say it was me. Kara choked again, still on air, as she had yet to ingest a beverage, and Daisy's eyes immediately fell to her lap. Pam chose to humor her daughter. Is that so? Joe nodded. Seriously, babe, what was it? J. Jocelyn? Damien guessed. Can't remember the last name. Jocelyn, Daisy quietly confirmed. Kara had to look away just in the complete opposite direction. And not at anything in particular, either. Jocelyn, 
she could hear Pam smiling. Well that's almost too good to be true. Does she go by Joe, Daisy? Joe was puzzled as she studied her mother's satisfied expression, and how her daughter was slowly inching her ball cap down further and further, until her chin was all that was visible. Kara slowly dragged her attention back to the train wreck playing out in front of her, watching Joe's jaw subtly loosen, her eyes widening as she put two and two together. Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Daisy May, didn't you ever see Back to the Future? Damn it, Daisy. Terry seemed almost equally distressed. You're gonna get us all erased. When she'd had Harley, Pamela used to look forward to her days off from the watchtower. But now that she was gone and their house was empty, Pamela dreaded them. She used to spend time with her kids instead, but now that Anthony had moved back to San Francisco, and Joe, well she was busy. Busier now than ever, it seemed. She'd grown distant once more in the last few months, and Pamela honestly wasn't sure how to combat that. Harley was always better at pulling her back in. The watchtower was now Pam's respite from the tumultuous outside world. She worked in her specimen garden every day, cataloging alien plants, collecting rare earth species, breeding and replanting, work truly was a vital distraction. Besides that, she was guaranteed to see two of her grandchildren every day, and that was truly just as special as the work she was allowed to do. They all had their own lives now, too. And Pam wasn't nearly as interesting to them as she had been when they were children. Now they had children of their own, well, Terry and Duke did, anyway, and the position of great-grandmother seemed far less important than her previous post. She'd cried the day Maxine was born, and Garth and Tula too. Cried knowing how much Harley had adored her grandchildren. Remembering how she'd held. Duke in her arms that first day, looking at their son's child with such pride, love, and disbelief mixed all into one. He's so perfect, Harley whispered. Have you ever seen a baby so perfect? Harley would never know his daughter. Would never know the joy on Anthony's face when he became a grandfather. Or on Joe's when Garth and Tula were born, despite her obvious reservations about their mother. Harley would never be splashed in the face by Garth as he practiced his hydrokinesis in the sink, or see Max don her robin suit, or Tula communicate telepathically. Yes, she could really do that and Pam knew Harley would find all of her great-grandchildren's abilities absolutely delightful. Regret is a pointless emotion. Ivy began. It's reflective in nature, and that's all it will ever be. It comes with guilt, and a mind crippled by guilt will only ever allow for horizontal growth, which really isn't growth at all, now is it? Pam knew she should take her own advice. That continuing to be weighed down by this irrepressible self-loathing didn't serve her didn't serve anyone. But it still hurt, more than words could describe, it hurt every time her great-grandchildren smiled. Every significant event or everyday occurrence her family experienced, the simple act of living felt like a betrayal to Harley. Kara was helpful, though. She liked to work with Ivy in the garden, and Ivy had to admit she appreciated the company. It was nice to have someone that felt constant again. Yes, Pam's children were only a phone call away but Kara was right here, every day, her hands digging in the dirt, a smile on her face or tears in her eyes depending on her mood. She wasn't as quick with her emotions as Harley, but she felt things very deeply. Was perhaps more empathetic than Harley, and still grieving, just like Pam. 
but Kara made Pam happy. She loved how her blue eyes sparkled, how intently she listened, the giggle she tried to muffle behind her hand, the crinkle between her eyes and the furrow in her brow when she was trying especially hard to concentrate. Do you think you could ever fall in love again? The question yanked Pam from her musings, and it was only then she realized she'd been staring. Hoping Kara hadn't noticed, set down her watering can, leaning back on her heels where she knelt in the dirt. Theoretically, yes. But, you don't want to? Kara ventured. Returning to her work, Pam murmured, sometimes I like the idea of it, but then I realize it would be inherently unfair to whoever it is I'm trying to love. Why? Kara asked, setting down her trowel, watching Pamela carefully. Because I'm still in love with Harleen, Pam told her, staring down at the delicate pink petals of the flower below her fingertips. She heard Kara move closer, walking over to her on her knees, until she was kneeling right beside her. Kara spread the fingers of her left hand so that Pam could plainly see the wedding ring she still wore, before reaching forward to take Pam's hand in her own. You have such a big heart, Pamela, she told her. Every day, you witness a million births and two million deaths. And you're all alone with a head full of memories and a heart full of grief. Pam looked down at their joined hands, the green of the emeralds on Pam's ring reflecting in the silver of Kara's wedding band. Are you still in love with Lena? she asked, her voice somehow muted in the silence of the room. I think I always will be, Kara admitted. But I have a lot of years left to live, and a lot of love to give, I think. With Kara's super hearing, Pam was sure she knew how fast Pam's heart was now beating. She had to close her eyes at the warmth she felt spreading below her skin. Just thanks to a simple human touch. A bit of contact. This wasn't how it felt holding her children's hands, or even Selena's. This reminded her of Harley at the beginning. That night in the movie theater back at Arkham. Harley's fingers trailing off the armrest, drawing lazy circles on her thigh. She missed that. Kara, Pam whispered. May I kiss you? She didn't need super hearing to know Kara's heart was beating just as fast. I wish you would. Chapter 83 Pamela's stomach turned as the wind whipped through her hair. She was suddenly reminded of that roller coaster Harley had insisted they go on. It had been awful. Better when she grasped Harley's hand, though, just as this experience improved when she wrapped her arms around Kara's neck. Am I going too fast? Pam could barely hear her with the wind whistling around them. No, just, don't drop me. Pamela, Kara slowed down as she approached the needle point of a skyscraper, gently setting her down on the uppermost ring. I would never drop you, she assured her, hands resting on her thighs. Vines shot out of Ivy's arms as she panicked and the building swayed, securing her to the spot, at the same time rendering her immobile. Supergirl's eyes widened with realization and embarrassment. Oh no, are you afraid of heights? I think, most people that, can't fly, would be afraid of this height, Ivy gritted, trying her best to stay positive, though her heart was in her throat and her stomach was tied into knots, and not exactly in a pleasant way. Plants prefer to stay rooted. Well, then it's a good thing you're up here with me, Kara smiled reassuringly moving her hands from her thighs to her waist and holding her firmly. I thought, since I spent all day in the garden with you, maybe you'd like to spend some time in the sky with me? 
Ivy raised an eyebrow. All day? Okay, so maybe I wanted to show off a little, Kara sheepishly admitted. I can do cool stuff too, see? Pam laughed, the fear fading for just a moment. I never doubted that. Kara grinned, leaning forward suddenly to kiss her, blushing when she pulled back a few moments later. I'm sorry, I got excited. Looking up at her from beneath her lashes, Pam murmured, I don't see what you have to apologize for. And when Kara's smile broadened, Pam attempted to raise her hands to pull her into a deeper kiss, only to be unceremoniously stopped by her vines, resulting in an awkward jerking motion. Kara belly laughed when Ivy flushed a darker shade of green. I think maybe we're both a little rusty. This time, Pam was successful in freeing her arms, trusting that Kara's grip on her waist would keep her in place, and kissed her to stop Kara's laughter, tangling her hands in her blonde hair as it whipped about. She may have been able to stop her laughing, but her smile seemed there to stay, though even that faded away when Ivy teased her lips with her tongue, resulting in a startled moan that sent the winged creatures in Ivy's stomach aflutter. You guys read Catco this morning? Seeing as how neither of us are teenage girls or stay-at-home moms trying to stay informed in between soccer pickups, no, Joe replied distractedly, without looking up from her Sudoku. You were a stay-at-home mom, mom, Daisy reminded her, joining her parents at the table. And Delilah was a collegiate soccer player. We're being the operative word. Joe mumbled. I was also a teenage girl at one point. And yes, I read a lot of Catco magazine. I'm sorry, she finally set her stylus down. Why are you here again? It's 9 a.m. Aren't you usually shooing a scantily clad woman out of your loft right about now? Damien posed after a sip of coffee. Ignoring her father, Daisy said, just making sure you're doing all right. And why wouldn't I be? You know why, Mom. Rolling her eyes, Joe heaved a rather aggressive sigh. Why do I need to read Catco? Are fitted suits going out of fashion again? Your dad's gonna cry. And I'm not tucking my shirt in without a belt, either, Damien snapped. Nor am I allowing my shoes to tie themselves. I have one and a half hands for a reason. Yeah. Joe agreed with feigned gusto. So you can stubbornly fumble with your laces for thirty minutes and make us late to everything. Daisy wrinkled her nose, looking between her parents. What happened to you guys? Sixty isn't supposed to be indiscernible from eighty. We were tired at twenty, babe, Joe explained. Now show me what I need to see so I can go back to bed. Disappointed with the less than enthusiastic buildup, Daisy pulled her tablet out of her bag, unlocking it and sliding it over so her mother could see. Joe frowned. Pretty sure the mommy kink thing is your issue, not mine. What? Joe held up the screen, pointing at the Google search, psychoanalysis of mommy kink. Daisy's face went bright red, nearly launching across the table to snatch it away from her, though Joe dodged her, calmly scrolling down the search results before she began to laugh. Well will you looky here, she opened up a page. Constructs of the Mommy Complex, by Dr. Harleen F. Quinzel, M.D., Christ, the internet is terrifying. Good find, but I really don't feel like reading an academic paper on my parents' sex life, you understand. That's not, 
Well, yeah, um, yeah, well that was only the first thing I wanted to show you, Daisy stumbled through her words, though her skin did return to a normal color, waiting for Joe to return the tablet to her. When she did, Daisy opened the website she'd intended to in the first place, showing her the front page image of Supergirl kissing Poison Ivy atop a building in National City. Oh my god. Joe blinked, taking in the photo in all its glory. D, babe, Damien, look. Hmm, he mused, setting down the cream he'd been pouring into his coffee, taking the tablet when it was handed to him. It seemed to take him a second to figure out what he was looking at, but when he did, he immediately launched the tablet at the wall, completely shattering the screen. Her. Daisy was horrified, and jumped out of her seat in surprise, thoroughly bewildered when Joe's reaction to Damien's apparent outburst was a gleeful laugh. Why, Pamela? Why? What the fuck, you guys? Daisy demanded. That thing was like $2,000. Joe was only barely able to restrain her laugh to a smile when she said, Well fuck me sideways. Damien, how are we gonna get our hands on that kinda dough? Damien fished around in the front pocket of his jeans, pulling out his wallet and tossing it across the table at his daughter. Worth it. Kara looked nervously over her shoulder as she keyed in the code for the front door, the machine scanning her handprint before finally unlocking. Pam offered a smile when Kara turned around to look at her again. Is something the matter? Oh, no, she said quickly, almost defensively. No, not really, it's just, well, I haven't had anyone here since Lena, since she passed. Frowning slightly, Pam said, you haven't had any company in ten years? No, no, I have, I have, haha, Kara sounded uncomfortable as she adjusted her glasses. Just not somebody, somebody like you. Somebody who I kiss and go to dinner with. Pam helped her out. Right, Kara nodded. Yeah, that. Well, I promise you I'll be respectful, Pam assured her. But I also don't want to force you into anything you're uncomfortable with. So if you'd like me to go. No. Kara planted a quick kiss on her cheek. No, please don't go. I just, sorry, she laughed. Sort of freaked out for a second there. Anyway, um, so yeah. She pushed the door open, holding it for Pam to step in first. The redhead slipped her overcoat off of her shoulders as she entered the foyer, hanging it over her forearm before Kara took it from her, putting it up in the closet near the front door. The lights came on automatically as they stepped into the first room, and it was all very, shiny. Like something out of those Star Trek movies Anthony loved so much as a child. Or like a homier version of the Justice League Watchtower. Though it still felt rather stark for what Pam had expected of Kara. That's when Pam remembered Lena had been an engineer. Was Lena the decorator? And the architect? Kara smiled contentedly, her hands on her hips. It's called a smart house. She designed the whole thing. Programmed it herself she was really proud of it. The further her eyes wandered, the more impressed Pam became. Is it equipped with AI technology? Yep. Kara grinned, clapping her hands. Hey, Mom. Welcome home, Kara, a woman's voice replied, though no physical body materialized. Who is your friend? 
Oh, um, this is Pamela, Kara replied. She's a friend from work, and stuff. Pam chuckled. You call your AI a mom? Well, it is my mom, sorta. Kara attempted to explain. See, the pod I was sent here and came equipped with this holographic AI manifestation of my mother. My real mother died when Krypton did, but this was a way for her to stay alive for me, in a way. She can answer my questions, give advice, basically just a kind ear with a human and Kryptonian encyclopedia in her head. But Lena found a way to merge the Kryptonian technology with what she set up here, so now mom runs the house. That's, brilliant, Pam realized. She said with surprise in her voice, for some reason. Kara giggled. Sorry to introduce you to my mom right off the bat. Well, you've met my entire living family, Pam reminded her. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, Mrs. Zorel, she addressed the empty room, receiving a grin and a blush from Kara in return. The pleasure is all. Okay, you can go away now, Mom, Kara interrupted, her gaze trained resolutely on her feet. Sorry, she can be nosy. Are you hungry? I have ice cream. Pistachio. I thought you might like pistachio ice cream. Look, Mom. Anthony exclaimed, shoving the mess in Pam's face. It's like the polar ice caps. Harleen bit her lip to starve off a laugh and tried to read Pam's reaction. The redhead looked at the melted cone and then at her son's proud expression at his analogy. An apt assessment. Pam cleared her throat, closing her eyes for a moment. Actually, I got plenty of sun today, she plastered on a smile. I think I'm full. You don't like sweets that much, huh? Kara prompted. See, if you were Harleen, that would be the setup for a joke on how you are the exception. Pam couldn't help herself, but Kara didn't seem to mind. That's, kind of suggestive, Kara laughed, the sound transforming Pam's smile into something more genuine. It certainly is. It was silent for a moment before Kara moved on. Can, um, can I have some, though? So, I caught wind of something. Oh. Yes, yes, it seems, well, it appears, I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but it appears Poison Ivy might be, a lesbian. Joe gasped. The scandal. I know, I know, Anthony acknowledged gravely. I am as surprised as you are. Floored, even. How unnatural of a man-hating vegetarian. Anthony laughed. All right, in all seriousness, this is like the 6th time I've seen them in the tabloids in the last three months, and, she still hasn't talked to me about it. Well, perhaps she's not serious about it, Joe theorized. Maybe she's just blowing off some steam. Since when has mom been that type? Joe sighed, laying back on her bed. I don't know, I'm just trying to make you feel better. I'm sure she feels like it's a betrayal to us, or something. Like she's betraying Ma, I assume including us would make it feel more real. Do you think she's betraying Ma? Ma's dead, Tony. Mom staying faithful for the rest of eternity isn't going to bring her back, and if it would, you know she'd lock up that chastity belt in an instant. Yeah, I know. Thanks for the birthday card, by the way, Joe changed the subject. 62. She could hear him smiling through the phone. 
I guess that makes me old. Yeah, and your lady friend is even older. Anthony scoffed. I'd prefer, partner, dot. No, you'd prefer, wife, Joe corrected. It's just some fucking papers, Anthony, and it would make you happy. I don't see why she still insists on this. I don't believe in marriage shit. She's 78, there was a sad acceptance in his voice. Doesn't really matter anymore. You were 22 when you met, bro, Joe reminded him. She had plenty of fucking time. And it matters to you. Anthony sighed. Look, Joe, I gotta go. Glad I caught you, though. Me too, she smiled at the phone. I love you, alright? Yeah, alright. Ditto. You should call her, Damien encouraged from the doorway after Anthony hung up. Joe kept the phone at her ear, meanwhile letting her gaze drift to the ceiling before, eventually, letting her eyes slip closed. I had a nightmare last night, she murmured. Ma was, inside of her, and she pulled her close to her dress, leaned into her heart, and whispered those same words. His words. And I, I could feel her heart stop beating in her chest. He, meaning her rapist? Damien asked, sitting on the edge of the bed. Joe nodded silently, her eyes still closed. Did Harleen know? Yes, Joe mumbled. I had that dream years ago. Mom was in the hospital, and Ma was, God, she was so young. And she told her Woodrue wasn't her monster anymore. Told her to leave him behind. Damien raised an eyebrow. Meanwhile, Harleen pocketed that information for future use. Joe pressed her palms into her eye sockets, letting the phone rest on her pillow. I used to think I had Ma nailed, and Mom was this, bizarre enigma. But I'm realizing I only really knew the parts of Ma she wanted to show us. Would you have wanted to see the other parts? Damien asked. Now that you know about them? Joe curled into the fetal position, bringing her knees to her chest and rolling over onto her side. I don't want to think about it right now. Well, maybe you. Don't. She could feel his anger rising, even without looking at him. Call your mother. Pam pushed her glasses up the bridge of her nose, turning on her phone after she'd retracted her leotard and changed into her civilian clothes. No missed calls, but there was an unread text message waiting for her. Jolene, hey mom are you free tonight? Rolling her eyes, Pam replied, are you allergic to complete spelling? She replied rather quickly, which honestly surprised Pam, Joe wasn't exactly great at getting back to people. Jolene, that a yes? Another text came in before Pam could type a response. Jolene, can you and Kara come to dinner? I'm not cocking don't worry. Asterisk cooking. But I'm not doing that other thing either. Pam laughed out loud, and Kara raised an amused eyebrow at her from across the room as she buttoned her shirt. What's so funny? An unfortunate spelling error, Pam explained quickly, reading over the text message again and biting her lip until she built up the courage to ask, would you like to come to dinner at my daughter's house tonight? A smile spread slowly over Kara's lips until it had grown into a face-splitting grin. You really want me to? Well, yes, but Joe also requested it, Pam admitted. Kara's eyes went wide. She did? Now Pam was a bit confused. 
I seem to recall you socializing with my daughter on multiple occasions, beginning when she was 10 years old, if I remember correctly. No, I mean, yeah. Kara blushed. But we weren't, um, kissing and going to dinner then. Oh. Pam still wasn't completely sure what Kara was to her. Someone that made her feel safe and warm, certainly. Who made her smile, and who made her heart beat faster when they touched, but, was Joe expecting some formal introduction? Would she ask Pam to define their relationship? Could Pam define their relationship? What did Joe want to hear? I don't see why it has to be any different, she eventually decided. I'd like you to come. Okay, Kara agreed with a shy smile. Then I'd love to. Yeah, three of those, please. Actually, Joe amended. Make it four. Same with the chicken, yeah, yeah, big party, she humored the man taking her order over the phone. Delivery, please. Can you have it here in an hour, what if I guarantee at least a $100 tip, $200, great. Thank you. She hung up, discarding her pajama pants and replacing them with a pair of slacks, noticing the sound of a struggle in the other room now that the line was dead. Leaving the closet for the bedroom, Joe found Damien standing in front of the mirror, fumbling with his bow tie. You can't do that with one hand, she reminded him. When he didn't answer, she followed up with, did you leave the prosthetic downstairs? It's fine, he mumbled with obvious frustration. Joe rolled her eyes. Why are you even wearing that? It's my mother, not the Queen of England. Can you just leave me alone, he snapped. Have to figure this out eventually, don't I? With an exasperated sigh, Joe asked, can I help you this time? Please? It's painful to watch. Damien laughed mirthlessly. This is painful to watch? This? How fucking ironic. Fine, Joe murmured after a few moments of searching for a response. If this is how you want to go about it, it's, fine. That's your prerogative. She headed for the stairs. Be downstairs at 30, bowtie or not. Hey, Mom, Delilah greeted as soon as she'd descended the grand staircase. So Tiff's supposed to be following up a lead in Central tonight, meaning Duke needs to be on harbor patrol, but the Batmobile still got that fucked axis. And? Joe asked impatiently, heading for the kitchen. Delilah followed, speaking as she did. And, Max is with me tonight, but Tiff's taking the motorcycle. So what should we do? Not sure we can cover the patrol area on foot. Ugh. Joe stopped to slam her fist against the wall. I swear I'm about this close to flying to San Francisco and dragging my goddamn brother back here by his hair. The car should have been fucking fixed by now. Yeah, I know, Luke says he's working on it, but he's not as fast as Uncle Tony, Delilah apologized. This isn't my fucking job anymore, Delilah, Joe rather forcefully reminded her. When we turned the mantles over, we did it with the expectation that you three would have your shit together. Delilah looked surprised, blinking as her face went red. I know, Mom, I'm just, sorry, I didn't mean to bother you. It's okay, me and Duke can figure it out. Joe closed her eyes at her daughter's hurt expression, leaning against the wall, rubbing one of her temples with her middle and index fingers. No, I'm sorry. That wasn't me, it. 
I know what it was, Mom, Delilah quietly interrupted. Do you need Advil or something? Doesn't work on me, Joe murmured distractedly. Have Duke drop Tiffany off in Central with the plane before he heads to the harbor, attach the sidecar to the motorcycle and you and Max can take that. Oh, yeah, good idea, Lila tried to smile. Are you, um, gonna talk to Grandma tonight? Leave it alone, Delilah, Joe warned. It's not happening. I just think. I said, leave it alone. Chapter 84 Pam let Kara step in front of her to ring the doorbell, it was a very fancy doorbell, the button was in a lion's mouth, and the bell itself sounded like classical music. When she retracted her hand, she smoothed it nervously down her front, making sure her flannel was tucked flush into her jeans. She wanted to make a good 6th impression. They, seemed to like her alright last time, and the time before, but like she'd told Pam, this time was different. And she was feeling antsy. While they waited, Pam leaned forward behind her, pressing a kiss to the back of her neck, accessible thanks to her ponytail, and chuckling softly at the shiver that ran up Kara's spine. Well that's not fair. Kara was lacing their fingers together when the door was finally opened by Damien dressed in a tuxedo, whose eyes quickly flitted from Kara's shirt, to her blush, to their joined hands. Honey, he called back over his shoulder. The gays are here. They heard Joe cackle from somewhere inside. Kara, this is my son-in-law, Damien, Pam introduced them like this was their first time meeting. He was a 22-year-old virgin and has only slept with one woman in his life. Kara assumed they weren't actually expecting her to respond. Damien's smile didn't quite reach his eyes when he offered a, charming, before turning swiftly, heading back inside the house, implying that they should follow. Pam closed the door behind them and Kara hurried quickly after him, taking in her surroundings as best she could at this pace. They walk so fast. The house was huge, like, gigantic, with ceilings so high Kara bet she could fly around in here without breaking anything. In what Kara guessed was the living room hung a giant painting of a dark-haired man and a woman with, is that little Bruce in front of them? Is that your dad? Kara pointed not realizing she was interrupting a conversation until Pam and Damien both looked at her oddly. Sorry, she apologized, her face red as a fire hydrant. Yeah, Damien answered anyway. My father and his parents, Thomas and Martha. Then he pointed at the slightly smaller picture to its right, this one an actual photograph rather than a painting. That's my father, my mother, Dick, Tim, Carrie, and Stephanie. Kara recognized the woman he'd called his mother as Selena Kyle. And that's you, Joe, Terry, Delilah and Daisy, she pointed to the next photo. Damien looked. Actually, that's Delilah and that's Daisy. But it's alright, you're not the first to make that mistake, he assured her, continuing on their journey to the dining room, Kara hoped. Just a simple, thank you, would suffice, Pam resumed what Kara guessed was the conversation she'd interrupted. I could have made her a boy, and then where would you be? I don't know, Damien pushed open the door to, yes, the dining room, which was lit with soft warm light that made Kara feel an odd sense of relief. Joe was at the end of the table, serving food from takeout containers onto plates. Do you think we'd still be married if you were a guy? Damien asked her. 
Oh, yeah, of course, Joe responded without hesitation. Without even looking up, actually. But me having a dick wouldn't change the fact that I'm a top, so keep that in mind, hey, mom. Glad you could make it. Kara's mouth was already beginning to water as she gazed at the table. Thank you for the invitation, Pam answered with a safe sort of smile, like she didn't want to overcommit to anything. Will any of the children be joining us? Oh, no, sorry. Joe emptied two entire cartons of noodles onto one plate, setting it down next to the one with only spring rolls. Daisy's moving something down at the iceberg, Terry couldn't make the trip from Atlantis, and Lila's on a date. A date? Pam sounded intrigued. With who? Eh, who knows, Joe shrugged. Too many characters anyway. Don't think we need to introduce another. Here, come sit down, Mom, Kara. She indicated the spring rolls and then the noodles. If you need more, Kara, there's some extra in the kitchen. Ordered from two places to make sure I had all my bases covered. Kara grinned, sitting down as instructed, and waiting until Pam and Damien had joined her to grab for her fork, only to realize only chopsticks had been provided. Oh, um, I'm not super good with chopsticks, I just, I get too excited sometimes, and I, well, I break them. I've been known to break them. Would it be weird if I asked to adopt you? Joe wondered, sitting down as Damien left to get a fork. Obviously, yes, Pam answered, nonplussed. Right, right, Joe sounded apologetic as she picked up her chopsticks. Can't be my daughter and my stepmom, now can you? Kara's jaw went slack. No, I, Jolene, I'm not, I could never take the place of your mother. Joe laughed, even harder when she noticed Pam was flushed as well. Kara, honey, I'm 62 years old. I think I'm gonna be alright. Damien returned from the kitchen, handing Kara her fork before taking his seat next to his wife. So, Kara. He said it like the name was foreign. Tell us about yourself. Kara laughed, thinking he was making a joke, as Damien had known her since he was a child and they'd worked together in the league for over twenty years. But her laugh began to die out when she noticed his expression hadn't changed, and Joe was watching her intently, expectantly, as she chewed. Pam seemed a bit puzzled as well, lowering her spring roll back to her plate without taking a bite. Oh, uh, the blonde adjusted her glasses. Well, I'm a freelance reporter. She began to tell them. Do you make a good living? Joe wanted to know. Um, good enough, I guess, Kara shrugged. But Lena left everything to me when she passed, so I don't really have to work, I just want to. Mmm. -hmm. Damien acknowledged, taking a sip of his water, and allowing Kara a bite of food before his next question. So where are you from? Kara swallowed, a crinkle forming between her brows. Krypton. I was sent here at thirteen. Yeah, how is that possible? Joe questioned. I always wondered. Because Clark was an infant when he left, right? Oh, well yeah, Kara confirmed. See, Krypton's destruction sent a shock wave that knocked my pod off course and into the Phantom Zone. A region in space where time doesn't pass. I slept there for 24 years until somehow I got here. And you age at a slower rate than humans, Damien followed up. 
Is that because of your reaction to the yellow sun? Or are Kryptonian lifespans truly that much longer? Kara was nodding as she chewed, swallowing as quickly as she could. The sun, yes. Happens for the same reason my powers do. So, let's see. Joe narrowed her eyes, thinking. If you were 13 when you left, hung out in the Phantom Zone for 24 years, and have been here for, what? 80? That makes you like 117. And mom, you're coming up on 142, right? That's right, Pam quietly acknowledged. Joe continued, so 25 years. And you and Ma were. 38, Pam answered. Fascinating. Joe twirled her noodles with her chopsticks. Is your degree in journalism, Kara? Emicham, Kara nodded with her mouth full. City College. Cat Grant hired me as her assistant right after I graduated. Good for you. Joe smiled across the table, before her eyes flitted to her mother. Mom, you haven't even touched your food, she said with noticeable disappointment. There's shrimp in here, Pam told her, picking the roll apart. I don't like shrimp. Young lady, you will eat what I put in front of you, Joe warned. I don't want to embarrass you in front of your friend. And then Pam seemed to realize what they were doing because she set her chopsticks down. Is this why you invited me over? To make a joke? We needed to make sure you weren't cavorting around with some aimless hooligan, Pamela, Damien backed her up, deadpanning his statement, just as Joe had. It's not funny, Pam snapped. Now Joe was laughing. It's pretty funny. We just want what's best for you, Pumpkin, Damien told her. Damien, please address her by her full name, Joe said him straight. Pumpkin Spice. You're not my father. Ivy caviled, though even Kara was laughing now, which forced the redhead to cross her arms petulantly, sitting back in her chair with a pout. If your mother were here. She would have pissed her pants, Joe assured her. After the laughing had died down, Kara decided to address what she felt like was an elephant in the room. You must really miss your mom, huh? Oh, I still see her plenty, Joe smiled across the table. She just doesn't come to talk to me. Kara wasn't quite sure what that meant, but Pam looked a bit uncomfortable when she said it. Damien cleared his throat, pushing his food to one side of his plate to distract himself, seeming to no longer be able to look Pam in the eye. I have to use the restroom, Pam stood up from her chair. Can you two promise to leave Kara alone until I return? Pinky swear. Joe nodded. Pam took one more slightly worried look at Kara before leaving the room squeezing the blonde's shoulder on the way out. Joe waited a moment after she'd left to turn to Kara, and the blonde instantly began to sweat under her scrutiny. I have one more question, she began. And then I promise you will leave you alone. Okay, Kara nodded quickly. What do you want to know? Joe pursed her lips, tapping her fingers rhythmically on the table for a moment before beginning. My mother was raped, frequently and violently, by the man who gave her her powers. Kara stilled in her chair, her blood running cold in her veins. She remembered hearing about that some years ago, but Pam had never brought it up with her. Now, I don't know if that's information she's shared with you, or if you were made aware of it by another source, or if this is the first you've heard about it, but your answer to this question is important. 
Okay, Kara croaked. Would you ever use that information against her in any way? Joe asked. Would you ever reference it to win an argument, or for the purposes of hurting her? Kara couldn't even believe, how could someone? N, no. No. Who would do something like that? I care about her, really, I would, I would never. Kara, Joe stopped her with an even tone. I need you to look me in the eyes right now. The blonde did as she was told, noticing that Joe's eyes were now glistening with tears, and glowing an almost unnatural green. Promise me, Joe said. Jolene, Kara sat forward. I promise you. I would never, ever, hurt her on purpose. Especially with something like that. Joe searched her face for a moment, like she was looking for a tell. But evidently finding none, she just nodded. Good. Your reward is a subject change. Once again, Kara felt put on the spot, and her mind was already occupied with the weight of the question she'd just been asked. But she did manage some semi-genuine interest. So how has retirement been? That's when Pam re-entered the room, sitting back down beside Kara, searching her face just as Joe had, though this was to see if she was okay. They have the same eyes, Kara realized. It's all right, Damien answered her question. We sleep a lot more, actually spend time together in civilian clothes, yesterday we went to breakfast. That's a thing that people do. Yes, Kara laughed. I'm so happy for you. Breakfast is the best. How long has it been, again? Twelve years, Joe told her. And now you let your kids run it? Kara asked. Must be cool to have your son be Batman just like you. We actually have two Batman, Joe pointed out. Terry belongs to the Justice League, and Duke is Batman in Gotham. He and Tiffany run things here while Terry and Lila help you guys out, though Lila splits her time. She's a very hard worker, Pam smiled. Hey, so is the other one, Joe laughed. It's just not helpful for us. Kara was confused. You guys, don't ever go to the iceberg? It's a really nice place, Pam and I went there for a minute. Heard the food's really good too, I was just too hungry, so we had to go somewhere else. I'm not good with small portions. Boo. Joe rested her elbow on the table and her chin in her hand. Mom, can I tell her? Pam sighed, sitting back. Have at it. The Iceberg Lounge is essentially the primary hub for Gotham's black market, Joe explained. Daisy is the eastern seaboard's most infamous jewel thief. Goes by Wildcat? I'm sure you've seen her on the news. W.H., huh? Kara stammered. She uses the iceberg to move her merchandise, Damien elaborated. So, good at what she does, yes, but supremely unhelpful. Pam was watching Kara as she glanced, wide-eyed, between the three of them. And you just, you guys just let that happen? You don't even care? Joe shrugged. She's been known to fall in line when we need a hand. There's always a gray area, Kara. You can either embrace it, or continue to see the world in black and white. But we live in the gray. Mom, too. She nodded over at Pam. But, but Daisy doesn't hurt people, right? Kara assured herself. Oh, no, Joe laughed. 
I'm pretty sure I've hurt more people than Daisy has. Me too, Damien agreed. Pam nodded when Kara looked over at her. The gray area is where we excel. Kara didn't quite know what to do with that, so her eyes just wandered back to her plate. Maybe her mind was tied into knots, but her stomach wasn't. Frowning, she dug in for another bite. It was another two hours before they left. They played a game of Yahtzee after dinner, and for a moment, Kara was reminded of her game nights with Alex, Maggie, Wynne and James all those years ago, maybe Joe and Damien could become friends to her. Real friends. She missed, having friends. Pam's smile remained somewhat muted, cursing occasionally about her luck, and she clearly wasn't ready for the excited kiss Kara pulled her into after she rolled a Yahtzee. Her skin felt hot beneath Kara's hands, and she didn't exactly reciprocate. When Kara pulled back, she found Pam had blushed a darker shade of green, the redhead immediately stealing a nervous glance at her daughter. Joe, for her part, was watching them with the traces of a tired smile on her face. Yahtzee, she murmured, taking the dice for her turn. Congratulations, Kara. As they were leaving, Joe brought Pam in for a tight hug, closing her eyes over her mother's shoulder. It was really good seeing you, she murmured. Pam smiled in agreement. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah, Joe released her. Sometime. Kara was quiet on the ride back to the house, and if Pam was being honest, she found the behavior worrisome. The night had gone far better than Pam expected. Kara seemed to have enjoyed the majority of it, and typically happy Kara was very talkative. Are you okay? Pam finally ventured as they made the final turn towards her house. Kara was planning to fly back tonight, so she knew she didn't have much time, but she wanted to leave things on a good note. It took a moment for Kara to respond. Actually, it took until Pam pulled into the driveway. Once the engine was off, the blonde slowly turned to look at her. Focusing on her hand for a moment, twisting her wedding ring, before finally meeting Pam's eyes. Can I stay here tonight? Pam answered, yes, of course, before the full weight of the question hit her. Oh. In a second confirmation, Pam just nodded, feeling like, if she answered aloud, Harley might hear. Kara smiled shyly, tucking a strand of blonde hair behind her ear, and if you squinted in the darkness at just the right angle, it could have been Harley sitting in the passenger seat. Pam wasn't sure whether or not that should be a comfort, but a warm feeling did begin to spread in her stomach so she decided not to question it, getting out and walking around the car to Kara's door, opening it for her and taking her hand to lead her inside. She didn't turn the lights on after entering the house. She, she wanted Kara. She did. She knew she did. But she couldn't look Harleen in the eye beforehand. Couldn't face her. Her stomach was teeming with guilt and anticipation, and the only way to forge ahead was to lower her gaze and lead Kara quickly up the staircase, choosing the first door on their right. Is this your bedroom? Kara asked as Pam shut the door behind them, her voice quiet too, perhaps for the same reason. Perhaps she didn't want to wake Harley's ghost either. No, Pam murmured, and when their eyes met, she knew Kara understood. They remained in darkness for a long while, just standing, watching each other, until, eventually, Kara began to slowly unbutton her shirt. Her blue eyes never leave Pam's green ones. 
Pam swallowed as Kara's hands neared the waistband of her own jeans, and she tentatively stepped forward to help her with her belt so that she could free the shirt completely. Placing a kiss on the blonde's now bare shoulder, she stripped the flannel off, little by little, leaving Kara in just her bra and jeans. Pam took a step back to study her, her eyes first fixating on the shadows cast across her stomach as the moonlight from the window danced along her pronounced abdominal muscles. Gradually, her gaze lifted, following the lines of her lean stomach up to the powder blue of her bra, the swell of her breasts, the smooth skin of her neck, and finally her face, catching the nervousness in her expression, the uncertainty in her eyes behind her glasses. You're very pretty, Pam whispered, a certain awe in her voice. Very, strong, she stepped forward once more, her hand outstretched, tracing the lines of the muscles in her stomach with feather-light fingers. Pam was mesmerized by the warmth of Kara's skin beneath her touch, and Kara took the opportunity to slip Pam's jacket off of her shoulders, revealing her sleeveless dress, and setting the jacket on the vanity in the corner. May I? Kara asked as she laced her hands around Pam's back, her fingers pausing on the zipper, waiting for a clear affirmation. She kissed Kara then, with more reverence than hunger, but it was enough to communicate that, yes, this was what she wanted. And Kara took her cue, dragging the zipper down her back, and then helping her out of her sleeves, pulling the fabric down her chest and abdomen, over her hips and down her legs until Pam steadied herself on Kara's shoulders to first step out of the dress, and then her heels. Kara's eyes were closed when they separated, and it didn't seem to Pam like she intended to open them any time soon. Her breathing was shallow and her cheeks were flushed, and really, Pam hadn't even touched her yet. It was as if Kara had been subjected to a heavy dose of Ivy's pheromones. Don't you want to look at me? Pam questioned. She knew she was a sight to behold in lingerie, knew people who would kill for the opportunity to see her like this, but she supposed Kara wasn't like that. She was too gentle, too careful, and this was too important for both of them. Yes, Kara whispered. I do, but, I'm afraid. Pam subtly tilted her head, raising her hand to cup Kara's cheek, her eyes focusing on her pink lips as she wet them. Why? You're poison ivy, Kara murmured. A goddess, I'm not, sure I'm worthy. Ivy's chest bloomed with affection, and she leaned forward to press a soft kiss to the blonde's lips. Her hands wandered from Kara's cheeks, down to her shoulders, and finally settled around her waist. Pam led her backwards to the bed, guiding her head to the pillow, and sliding down her body to untie her shoes. You're Supergirl, Pam whispered. The symbol of virtue. She placed a kiss on Kara's stomach after discarding her first shoe and sock. Integrity, and hope. You, Kara Zorel, are absolutely worthy. She'd finished with the other shoe by the time Kara finally opened her eyes, her breath hitching when Pam crawled back over her body on the bed. Hi, Pam breathed, hovering above Kara's face. Kara blushed. Hi. You're gorgeous. Laughing, Pam thanked her, and the sound seemed to excite Kara because she then pulled her down into a searing kiss, her hand around the back of Pam's neck. It occurred to Pam then, that if Kara squeezed even a little too hard, she could crush her spine in her hands. Rip her in half, break her in two, but despite Kara's immense strength, there was no gentler being currently walking the earth. 
she had to be in complete control of herself at all times because even the slightest misstep could have a rather gruesome ending. But Pam trusted her. For some reason, she trusted Kara completely. Trusted that she'd be gentle, careful, mindful. Trusted her enough to invite her into her home and submit to her completely. Pam's lips had strayed from Kara's now, trailing down the blonde's neck instead, feeling occasional nervous swallows, her chest expanding and deflating with each shallow breath. You can touch me, Pam whispered against her skin. And Kara did, tentatively at first, but she did wrap her arms around Pam's back, tracing the vines beneath Pam's green skin with her fingers. Pam closed her eyes at that, sliding lower, moving her attention to Kara's chest the blonde arching her back so that she could unclasp her bra, setting it beside them on the bed and lowering her mouth to the smooth skin below her. Kara, can I? Yes, please. She breathed, not waiting to hear the end of the question. Pam allowed her tongue to continue its work while her hands traveled to the button of Kara's jeans, pulling the zipper down to give her hand more room as she pushed her fingers below the waistband of Kara's underwear. The blonde jolted at the contact her eyes slamming shut, immediately rolling her hips into Pam's hand. Rao, Ivy, she moaned, tugging at Pam's shoulders with her hands, attempting to pull her up into a kiss. Pam complied, her tongue drawing a hot trail back up her neck, across her jaw to her lips. But Kara had to break the kiss soon after to throw her head back at the pressure Pam was applying. Ivy, Ivy, Pam, Pammy. Show. Harley soothed, gently carting her fingers through her hair. It'll be okay, Pammy. The redhead tensed then, trying to pull away, but Harley only gripped her tighter. No. Harley cooed. That's mine now. That's ours. He can't have it anymore. He can't have anything anymore. She placed a gentle kiss in Pam's red hair. I love you, Pammy. You are loved. It wasn't your fault. You were never his. You are mine and you are yours. That's it. Pamela ripped her hand back immediately, stumbling off of Kara and off of the bed completely, backing up until her back hit the opposite wall. Kara looked rightfully alarmed when she sat up. Are you okay? Her voice carried with it extreme concern. Pam shook her head. No, I, no. It's not for you. You can't, no. Her shaking was almost violent now, her body trembling, back pressed against the wall. It's a mistake. This was a mistake. I said I'd wait, I said I'd, you can't be here. Guilt and confusion battled for dominance in Kara's expression. You, want me to go? Now. Pam yelled, her heart hammering away in her chest. Kara looked hurt, almost on the verge of tears as she rose from the bed picking up her bra. Pamela, I didn't, I'm so sorry, I'm not sure, whatever I did, I didn't mean it. Does this, does it have to do with your trauma? The genuine worry in Kara's voice made Pam's stomach hurt, the pity in her eyes. I don't know what you're talking about, she snapped. Pam, it's okay, Kara approached her like she was about to wrap her up into a firm, comforting hug. Joe told me. She was worried about you. Joe held him tight, even as he slowed to a stop, his face still planted firmly in the crook of her neck. I can't do it. I can't. 
That's okay, she whispered, her hands running soothingly up and down his back. It's okay. No, it's not. Nothing is okay. Can you look at me? No. She swallowed, feeling the pressure of tears mounting behind her eyes. I understand. His body trembled against her, her shoulder growing wet where his face was pressed. I hate you. I hate you so much. I know that, she murmured, her fingers carding gently through his salt and pepper hair. I do too. Joe's phone rang on the nightstand, but neither she nor Damien moved to answer it. I'm sorry, she whispered instead. Though, after the second and third call, Damien did roll off of her, turning onto his side to face the wall. With a sigh, she grabbed for her phone, the light from the screen painfully cutting through the otherwise dark bedroom. Mom. Hello? Mom? Why would you do that, it was obvious she'd been crying. I don't, Mom, it's 2 a.m. What's the matter? What's going on? That wasn't yours to tell. Joe's stomach turned. God damn it, Kara. Mom, I had a bad dream, I just wanted to make sure you were going to be alright. How dare you? Mom. Joe sighed, trying a different approach. It's not a secret anymore, remember? You told everybody. On live TV. The line was already dead. Chapter 85 Kara avoided Pam in the hallways now. Looked down at her feet when they passed. Left the locker room when Ivy entered. Pam knew she'd hurt her. Knew she likely felt embarrassed. Pam did too, honestly. That's not how she'd wanted that night to end, not how she'd expected it to, but Pam had made a mistake. The guilt was pervasive, seeping into her every thought, every movement. She'd cheated. On Harley, on their life. It was wrong, and she felt absolutely terrible. Kara didn't smile as much, either, Pam noticed. Her gaze was often glassy, and even on missions she was distracted. Pamela supposed she could have been kinder to her. A lot kinder, actually. But she'd felt violated, plain and simple. And the look of pity Kara had given her, Pam just couldn't stomach it. She hadn't spoken to Joe since, either. Two months without any communication other than a quick text exchange in which Joe asked how she was doing. Fine, she'd told her, receiving only a hard emoji in return. Now the guilt about that was beginning to overrun Pam as well. Her daughter had obviously been concerned about her. Pam was sure she'd the best intentions speaking to Kara, but it still felt like a betrayal. A significant one. And as much as Pam wanted to forgive her, it seemed impossible at the moment. Call the daughter, the Harley plant she kept in a pot near her bed encouraged, Kitty asleep on the pillow Pam wasn't occupying. I'm not ready. It's been a long time since you've heard her voice. Pam rolled her eyes with annoyance, reaching for her phone and typing a quick text message. Let me know when you're free. I'd like to speak with you. Joe didn't reply, not that Pam expected her to. It was late, and Pam was sure Joe was unhappy with this prolonged silence as well. Kara and I aren't seeing each other anymore. Again, no response. Pam sighed, typing one more message before she pulled the covers up to her chin and closed her eyes. I hope you're well. 
I love you, Jolene. She stared up at a green face, full, red lips smiling warmly. Mommy. Your smile is like a breath of spring slash your voice is soft like summer rain slash and I cannot compete with you slash Jolene. She watched Harley in wonder as she clapped and sang along to the music. That's you, baby. Mama. She peeked nervously over his shoulder as he carefully applied the crazy glue, his blue eyes squinted behind his glasses, tongue held in concentration between his teeth. I didn't mean to break it, Tony. Honest. I know, he told her, pressing Batgirl's arm back into its socket. You're little. Sometimes you break stuff. It's okay. Her medal bounced against her chest as she ran over to meet them. Did she see it? Did she see me on top of the box? Anthony scuffed his sneaker on the ground, Harley leaning down, placing a hand on her shoulder. Mom got held up at work. But I videoed the whole thing, she assured her. And she says she wants to hear all about it at home tonight. Oh, she nodded, her gaze falling to her medal. Did you think I did a good job, though? Only the best of the best get to stand at the top of the box, baby. Bruce spoke to Ivy, I see you're raising her in your image. We encourage a realistic sense of self, Pam assured him. The man smirked and leaned down to speak to her once more. And are you a gymnast too? Pfft, yeah, she said like this was a fact that should have been obvious. They moved me up two age groups at the gym. Good. Bruce reached into his pocket and pulled out a business card. Call me when you're ready. She was turning in the air. Flipping. Falling. Slamming onto the mat, her knees landing painfully. There were no words in her scream. Only sound. Frustration. Go home, Joe. No, her eyes shot up from the mat. I'm not leaving before I land it. Jolene, practice ended an hour ago. I'd like to go home. It's too important, she muttered through clenched teeth, getting up and dusting the chalk from her knees. I gotta land it. He sighed, crossing his arms. You could trip over that vault tomorrow, fall flat on your face, and still be selected. You're a sure thing. But your head's not in it tonight. You're going to hurt yourself. Nothing is a sure thing, she yelled, her anger echoing in the empty gym. Ma thought she was, and she didn't even get to finish the trials. So don't tell me to expect anything I haven't earned yet. I'm going again. She double-knotted her sneakers, patting the laces for good measure. I've got something for you. Her eyes rose, seeing the smile on his face before the envelope. What is it? You want to take a guess? She could feel her stomach clench, feel her heart flutter. Am, am I going? He knelt down in front of her, placing the envelope in her hand. I've been coaching for fifteen years, Jolene. And I have never met a kid more deserving of this opportunity than you. You are the hardest working athlete I've ever known, and this right here, he closed her hand around the envelope, is a privilege you absolutely earned. Blood, sweat, and tears, kiddo. You're on your way. She felt the pressure of tears gathering behind her eyes. Am I going, she repeated, like that's all she could do. The only way she dared phrase it. Squeezing her shoulder, 
he smiled through the tears gathering in his own eyes. I can't wait to watch them hang that gold around your neck. A tear rolled down her cheek, her hands shaking as she gripped the envelope. I hope mom can get the time off, she whispered, her voice just as shaky as her hands. He laughed. That's what you're worried about? I think Ma'll be really proud of me, she sniffed, raising a hand to wipe her eyes. She recognized the makeup, the glitter on her cheeks, her hair pulled into a tight bun atop her head. Her stare was brave at first, studying her own reflection. But the green of her eyes became steadily glossier with each passing moment, until the tears were rolling down her cheeks. They'd let her keep the jacket, and the Team USA patch mocked her from where it was stitched to her breast. She braced against the sink, crying silently, her shoulders trembling with heartache and fatigue. You're such a fucking cry baby, she rubbed at her eye makeup with a cloth, removing it for the last time. Her hands were clasped firmly around his waist as they sped through downtown, ignoring stoplights and yield signs. Faster, she urged, head pressed to his shoulder, breathing in his scent, leather, sweat, and motor oil. The room was dark, her bare knees were pulled to her chest, her body shivering from the draft blowing in from an undisclosed location. He turned, his quiet snores now muffled into the pillow. Are you disappointed too? she murmured, enjoying the silence of his features, the rare opportunity to see him wearing something other than a scowl. They'd meant to paint the kitchen. Not red, though. She grabbed the hoodie from the coat rack as instructed, pulling it on over her tank top, dipping her face just below the collar to wipe off the blood. Pam's smile was faint, but reassuring. Go. You're so full of shit, she whispered, pulling apart just slightly before looking up at him, a sly smile stretching her lips. Holy denial, Batman. His eyes were wide, awestruck, almost, as she reached behind her back to clasp her bra, getting out of bed. What are you looking at? You, he seemed to say before he could think better of it. I thought Batman didn't kill people. That's true, she acknowledged. Unfortunately for you, last time I checked, Batman didn't have tits. So, as you can see, you got stuck with the wrong bat tonight. Now, how familiar are you with the femoral artery? His form was bathed in the soft glow of early morning. Her hand trailed along his bare shoulder, fingers tracing up his neck, along his jaw. You're so beautiful, her voice was barely audible in the cavernous bedroom. His lips twitched into a smile when her thumb paused at his chin, and she leaned forward to press a kiss against them. The kiss was too gentle to wake him, but she smiled at how his face relaxed. When she turned over, she took his arm with her, wrapping it around her waist and pressing her back against him. I'm in love, I'm in love and I don't care who knows it, she whimsically spun around, ripping her beanie cap off of her head and tossing it at Harley, hitting her in the face. Please stop, please stop, please stop, please stop, she begged, her palms pressed to her ears as they bawled. Please, she dropped to her knees between the cribs. Please stop. Pam cupped her face in her hands. Asking for help makes you a good mother, not a bad one. Kids want 110% of your attention, 100% of the time, Harley explained, smiling when Terry wrapped his little hand around her finger, gripping as best he could. Oh, is that all? she mocked. That's all. 
Harley kissed her on the cheek. It's worth it in the end. Believe me. She watched through the lens of a camera as Delilah wobbled on her feet, attempting to stumble forward into Damien's waiting arms. Come on, I'm right here, he encouraged. Just two more, and she was there, collapsing into his chest, where he immediately pulled her close, his smile wide and proud. Did you get it? Yeah, I, shit, I didn't press record. Joe. We have two more. We're getting a divorce. She stopped dead in her tracks at the top of the grand staircase, her blood instantly running cold. Oh fuck, she breathed. He was laying on the marble of the main floor, his position awkward, painful, broken. Bruce. You're a good mom, Jolene, Selena told her, giving her a kiss on the cheek. And I'd say, all in all, you turned out pretty alright. She laughed. Uh, thanks, Kitty. I appreciate that. Of course, Selena smiled after her. She sidestepped quickly, dodging Terry's kick and catching his fist in her hand. You're telegraphing everything. Try a different combination every once in a while. He took her advice immediately, grabbing her wrist with his free hand, and using her extended position against her, twisting her arm at the right angle with just enough leverage to bring her to the ground. She laughed at his celebration dance. Good, she reached a hand up, and he helped her to her feet. Now let's go again. Practice makes perfect. Daisy shrugged, filing her book back onto the shelf. What's there to talk about? Well. She sat down on the bed. To a lot of people, coming out is sort of a big deal. Does it, not feel like a big deal to you? Why would it? Daisy asked, still not looking at her, busying herself with whatever papers were on her desk. Grandma and Nana are gay, Carrie and Courtney are gay. Doesn't seem like a big deal to anybody in this family. Sure, she acknowledged with a nod. But you're not just anybody. You're you. Does it seem like a big deal to you? Daisy sighed, sounding like she wished this conversation would end. I don't know, Mom. She smiled, leaning back on the bed. So, any crushes yet? There a special girl in your life? No, Daisy insisted, though the color in her cheeks told a different story. Okay, yes, she admitted. But it doesn't matter. She'll never like me back. Cocking her head, she asked, why not? I think you're a catch. Daisy seemed to grin despite herself biting down on her lip, eyes still trained on her desk. Yeah, well, you're my mom, you have to say that. MMM, yep, page 13 of the mom contract. Signed, dated, and sealed. Daisy rolled her eyes, though there was no hiding her affection. She's straight. Blah, she spat. Straight girls are the worst. Harley nodded, using all her strength to pull her close and whisper you were just a kid. I forgave you a long time ago. You can't love someone as much as Ma did you without taking something. A piece of your heart, it's going with her on her next adventure. You don't, know that, Pam heaved, tremors racking her body. Yes, I do, Mom. She soothingly carted her fingers through Pam's hair. I've never been more sure of anything. I promise. What kind of a name is Garth, 
she asked, cradling the boy in her arms. Maybe it's cool in Atlantis? She chuckled at that, he's cute, though, bowing her head to ghost her lips against the boy's forehead. He looks like you. Damien grinned. You think I'm cute? It was all moving faster now. The images turning over on themselves, smiles folding into tears, children into adults. She was at the stadium, waving at the camera, her picture projected on the jumbo screen, Damien's arm around her waist. She watched the four lucky girls walk out onto the floor. Grasped Courtney's hand, powerless against the tears gathering in her eyes as their wreaths were hung around their necks. There was a warm hand on her cheek now. The skin is rough, but comforting. And she was done moving. Thank you, she whispered. For loving me. She laid still, staring up at the blank expanse of a ceiling. Gradually, her sight began to blur, warm light flooding into the corners of her vision until she was completely overtaken. Pam awoke with a gasp, sitting bolt upright in bed, her shirt damp with sweat, face wet from tears, and her entire body shaking. Her heart pounded against her ribs as her eyes darted frantically around the darkened bedroom. Pam had never had a dream quite like that. Her night terrors were always from the first-person perspective. But that, she'd seen it all through Joe's eyes. Things she hadn't been party to. It scared her. She wasn't sure what had happened, but something felt off. Pam didn't know if the problem was with her or something else, but there was an incessant ringing in her ears now that wouldn't shut off. Joe. She grabbed for her cell phone on the nightstand, quickly dialing her daughter. The call did nothing but ring, eventually going to voicemail. You've reached Jolene Wayne, please don't leave a voicemail. It's 2075. We've moved past that. It wasn't until Pam hung up that she saw the time. 3.43 a.m. She didn't keep those graveyard hours anymore. She's been retired for 12 years now, Pamela. She's not going to wake up just to console you after a dream. She's not your mother. You are hers. That helped to loosen the knot in stomach, though she wasn't able to go back to sleep. She found the silence distressing. Her flowers weren't even chatting amongst themselves, let alone with her. At 5 a.m., her doorbell rang, and her heart leapt up into her throat in response. Something was wrong. You're on call, she reminded herself, pulling on a bathrobe and heading for the stairs. Perhaps aliens are attacking downtown Metropolis. Evil never sleeps. She stood for a moment in the foyer, her hand clenched around the door handle, feeling like her head was swimming as the ringing in her ears had dulled slightly. Pam finally opened it after the doorbell rang again, finding Terry standing on her front porch his bloodshot eyes and tear-swollen face barely visible in the early morning light. Grandma, he began, swallowing, as his words sounded thick. Can I come inside? Pam didn't answer, her eyes instead flitting to the envelope he had clutched in his left hand. Please, he said. And Pam nodded mutely, unable to open her mouth, unable to do anything but step back from the door, allowing her grandson inside. I have something for you, he told her, once she'd shut the door behind him. Again, her eyes fell to the envelope, the one he was now offering to her, but whatever was in there, she didn't want to see it. No. Please, 
he repeated, his voice strained. Tired. Sad. This time, Pam did as he asked, reluctantly holding out her hand, and taking the paper from him, staring down at it for a long moment before gingerly tearing the top. She immediately recognized Joe's handwriting. Mom. First off, let me just assure you that the paper you're holding in your hands was made from 100% recycled materials. Writing this letter did not, in any way, shape, or form, promote the genocide of innocent trees, so calm down because I know you instantly got a little pissed at me when Terry handed this to you. All right, now that that's, I hate it when I have to do that, out of the way, I need to tell you that if you're reading this, it means I'm dead. And yes, I am being serious. No, this is not a cruel prank, even if I wish it was. A year ago I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I know, right? Cancer. How ironic, or serendipitous, I don't know. I never was an English nerd. Either way, I kind ve wish someone would have warned me about what a bitch karma can be. In case you weren't aware, pancreatic cancer is pretty well known for being the fastest spreading cancer with the worst survival rate, and being 62 I felt like I was doomed from the start, even with my immunities and regenerative capabilities. So I decided not to fight it. Yep, weak, right? I spent my whole life fighting and then I just gave up. Why? That's a good question. Probably because I felt the need to punish myself, to repent some of the decisions I made when I was younger because, really, I never actually regretted any one decision I made, and clearly, that's a problem. So I decided to die, and I decided not to tell you because it hurt me, seeing that fear in your eyes when you saw Ma like that. Weak and dying. Not the Harley you knew, but her living ghost. And maybe that was therapeutic, but I saw how difficult it was for you to feel so powerless. So I went with the band-aid approach instead. I ripped it off, and yeah, it tore up some hair, maybe some skin, but you're a masochist, mom, and I decided not to support that. I've got a few things to say to you, important things, so, even though I'm sure you're upset right now, please pay attention. I love you. Seriously. With all my heart, I love you, mom. And I always have. Every day of my life. Even when I hated you, every emotion I ever expressed came from a foundation of love. A foundation that you and Ma built for me. So thank you for that because it's what got me through every moment of imperfection. Even this year. Just because you weren't physically at my bedside doesn't mean you weren't with me. You were always with me, and wherever I am now, I'm sure you still are. You were a good mom. A great mom, even especially for a former supervillain-turned-superhero who married her therapist. I know a lot of your identity is built on being the best, on being perfect, but what I learned in my relatively brief time on this planet is that you don't have to be perfect to be great, and not everything that's perfect is great. I also know that, in parenting us, you made a lot of decisions based on the inverse of what your mother would have done, but I want to tell you that just about every parenting decision I ever made started with, what did mom do? I should do that. Of course, I made some exceptions, but all in all, my kids were raised in the spirit of how you raised me, so if you like how any of them turned out, you can definitely take credit. You deserve it. You and Ma. Okay, this one's about you. It's really just some friendly advice, but it would be awesome if you'd listen. 
I think you're in love with Kara. There. I said it. I think you're in love with Kara Danvers and I think you're scared, and I think you're hesitant because of what you promised Ma. I know you said you'd wait for her, but Mom, did you ever think maybe she's already here? What Ma represented to you, what she was to you, I think Kara has it in her. I do. And even though it's hard to let go of someone who saved you the way Ma did, maybe it's time you save yourself. Maybe it's time you test all the hard work Ma put into you. All the time she held you through your triggers, all the lessons on how to work through your problems when your emotions are clouding your heart and your head, maybe it's time to take the wings Ma helped you make and actually use them. Take a leap. Do it for you, do it for Ma, do it for me, I don't care, but what's the point of having wings if you just shut them in the garage to collect dust? Don't put your walls up again, Mom. Please. Otherwise everything Ma did for you was a waste. The world deserves to know Pamela Isley. This next part will be in all capitals because I want you to know I'm mentally screaming it as I write it, let Kara love you. You deserve love. You deserve happiness. You are a good person. A person good enough. For Kara, which seems nearly impossible. Do not resign yourself to suffering. Don't let another life be taken away from you. Let Pamela breathe. This one's about me again. Well, really, it's about Damien. He's very angry with me right now, since my diagnosis. He didn't understand why I would turn down treatment being that we have more money than God, or Zeus, I guess. He called me selfish, which I totally understand. Really. To a certain degree, I am being selfish, I acknowledge that. But although I love my husband and would die for him in a heartbeat, I decided to die for me instead. But fun fact about Damien Wayne, like you, once you get past that prickly exterior, he just wants to love and be loved. And he loved me, a lot. And I loved him right back, with every atom that made up my twisted heart, and now I've taken that away from him and I know he's hurting. So be good to him, please. Encourage Terry, Delilah and Daisy to be good to him too. Give him a hug maybe, or, I don't know, buy him a bottle of whiskey and sit there with him while he drinks it, it's up to you, just as long as you're there for him. The first line of the next paragraph was smudged by what Pam guessed was a tear. It was great being your trial run, Mom. I was proud to be your daughter, just as I'm sure the next one will be. I'm sorry I wasn't strong enough to let you watch me die and I hope you can someday forgive me, for this and for everything else. But mostly, I hope the foundation of love Anthony, Ma and I built you in return helps you as you move forward. I think, out of all my accomplishments, that's the one I'm proudest of, my contribution to Pamela Isley's ongoing scientific study of life on this planet. Put me in a specimen jar, file me up on the shelf, take me down when you need to, unpack me if you feel like it but keep moving forward. Always. Love. Your daughter, your prettiest science experiment. Jolene Isley Quinzel. Pamela's jaw shook, the paper crinkling in her hands. She turned it over to see if there was more, but that was it. That was all there was. That was all there would ever be. No. Pam shook her head. No. This isn't, she doesn't get to do this. She doesn't get to, not like this. No, tears fell angrily down her cheeks. No. That's my baby. No. 
Her head was shaking violently now, and she threw the letter on the ground, stomping on it. That stupid, stupid girl. That see, that coward. Terence took a step towards her, tears gathering once more in his bloodshot eyes, but Pam pushed him away. Backwards, with all her might, she pushed him. But he was strong and he stood firm, allowing her fists to land over and over again against his chest. Grandma, he whispered. Please, it wasn't up to us. Pam sobbed harder, her shaking shoulders making it difficult to continue her assault. Terry saw his opportunity and pushed forward, wrapping her up into a hug. Holding her as she shook, her tears falling heavily onto the shoulder of his black t-shirt. Grandma, I'm so sorry. In loving memory of. Jolene I. Wayne. Daughter, sister, wife, mother. 2013-2075. Nothing in life is guaranteed. Chapter 86. Poison Ivy attended Jolene's funeral, just like she had her wedding. She even came dressed in the same suit. Joe had never really liked black anyway. She was a colorful person who liked colorful clothes. Ivy sat off to the side, propped up against Selena's gravestone, her head leaning back, watching the sky rather than the ceremony. Anthony struggled through a tearful rendition of Allison Krauss and Union Station's The Lucky One, Daisy was notably absent, and Damien never looked up from the ground. He'd lost weight, Pam noticed, his suit appearing a bit baggy in the shoulders. He didn't speak, didn't cry, didn't acknowledge anyone, for the entirety of the ceremony, and then he headed back up towards the house as soon as the casket was lowered into the ground. He didn't even wait to throw his handful of dirt, just shoved his hands in his pocket and sulked away. Are you ready to go? Anthony murmured some time later, after most of the other guests had left. No, Ivy responded, not lowering her gaze to meet him. That's fine, he told her, his voice sounding broken. I'm going to catch up with Damien. Pam nodded in a silent response, hearing his footsteps retreat back up the path to the main house. Finally, when she thought she was alone, Ivy dropped her eyes from the sky to the freshly disturbed dirt covering her daughter's grave, only to find Carrie was still kneeling beside it. After a deep sigh, Ivy slowly rose to her feet, approaching the grave. Carrie didn't react or flinch at her arrival, just continued picking up handfuls of wet dirt, squeezing it in her palm, and setting it back down, over and over again. Did you know? Ivy asked, interrupting the peaceful silence. It took a moment for Carrie to answer, but when she did, her voice was quiet. It was the only favor she ever asked of me. That I keep it from you. Pam looked down at the woman where she knelt, her short hair having gone gray some time ago. Just like Selena's had, just like Anthony's. You were in love with her, weren't you? The question was rhetorical. Carrie wiped her eyes on her sleeve, sniffing as she did. What does it matter? What was she to you? Pam asked, not answering her question. What was she, like, with you? Swallowing, Carrie pat her hand down on the dirt. She was, um, she was the bravest person I ever knew. And she, she had the biggest heart, too, she just, she sometimes had a hard time with that. Feeling vulnerable was, scary, so she made jokes. Made a lot of jokes. But. She sniffed. But I know she always tried her hardest. 
and what was she to you? Carrie picked up another handful of dirt. She was my best friend in the world. Ivy closed her eyes, listening to the wind whistling through the trees. Thank you, Caroline, she murmured, resting a gentle hand on the woman's shoulder. I'm sorry for your loss. Anthony stayed with his mother for a week, crying himself to sleep most nights, the two of them sharing the guest room. Though Pamela didn't cry. She mostly just stared, quietly, off into space, sometimes like she was thinking deep thoughts and others like she wasn't really there at all. There were things that he'd wanted to say to his sister. Things he wanted to discuss, every day, he'd come up with a new topic, picking up his phone like an idiot, like she was still only a phone call away, so he'd call her voicemail instead, just to hear her voice. You've reached Jolene Wayne, please don't leave a voicemail. It's 2075. We've moved past that. Why didn't you tell me you were sick, he whispered after the beep. You didn't, he fought to hold back tears. You didn't have to go at everything alone, Joe. I would have been here. You were worth fighting for. Daisy had delivered him a letter when he'd arrived back in Gotham. It was from Joe, written in her somehow always rushed cursive. Full of thank yous and apologies, mostly. She didn't talk much about herself, other than to say she was sorry she had to keep her illness from him. I didn't want you to have to keep it from Mom. Jolene, the keeper of secrets. She kept something from everybody, always for their own protection. It was just a side effect of her powers, she always knew more than she was supposed to. Anthony knew the burden that was placed on her. Knew that most of his sister's actions were rooted in reaction. She was a coping mechanism that came to life. The result of having to deal with the most blatantly horrific realities of the world before she could even fully understand them. It had taken him some time, most of his life, actually to even attempt an understanding of what it was to be Jolene Quinzel, Jolene Wayne, Hellbat. And Anthony had finally come to the conclusion that she'd done her very best with what she was given. Did her very best to shoulder her burden, Pamela's. Dreams of the past, Harleen's dreams of the future, Damien's darkness and her children's needs, all while trying to continue existing on her own. Anthony no longer envied her. But he did miss her. Missed her so much it hurt. Every day of that week he stayed in Gotham, he would find a new potted flower on his mother's porch. From Kara, he knew that for a fact, even though she never left a note. The flowers told him. And he knew his mother was aware as well. Even still, the gifts didn't garner much of a reaction from her. They didn't speak about it. About Kara, or even about Joe for the first five days. The only words he could remember Pam uttering was her quiet request that they share the guest bedroom. She fell asleep with her head on his chest, that night, and every other night before his plane took off back to San Francisco. But on the 5th day, Anthony joined her at the kitchen table, where she was absently staring out the window at her garden. He, Joe, Barbara and Dick had done much the same thing 22 years ago, watching Pam tend to her garden after Harley died. Anthony she surprised him by breaking the silence. What was she to you? Joe? Puzzled, he responded, she was my sister, mom. You know that. She nodded, still not looking at him. After your mother died, your sister told me that a person is something different to everyone. She was my daughter, 
that was the only way I ever allowed myself to see her. But now, now I'd like to know what she was to you. Mm, he mulled the question over for all its complexities. She was a lot of things to me. She was, a teammate, an ally, a companion, a nuisance, he smiled a bit at that. But most of all, she was my baby sister. And, perhaps she. Didn't always make it easy, but I loved her. A lot. And, um, she swallowed back tears. I think the world has lost a lot of color since she and Ma moved on. He was unshaven, that was the first thing Pam noticed when Damien opened the door. He was unshaven and his shirt was unbuttoned, exposing his bare chest, and his trousers were wrinkled. Almost seventy years old and Damien Wayne still looked like a child to Pamela. Not his body, that had aged just like everyone else's, though he did take considerably better care of himself than most. But his eyes, his hazel eyes, still belonged to that boy who wouldn't take a slice of cake from her on the grounds that he was no longer a child. But he had been, and he was. A little boy trapped in a man's body, same as Pamela was an old woman trapped in the body of a woman who should just be figuring things out. What do you want, he asked, his voice like he hadn't spoken to anyone in some time. A month, that was how long it had taken Pam to come here. To honor her daughter's last request. Well, one of the two, at least. Pam held up the bottle of whiskey in her hand. I thought you could use it. Damien looked at Pam, and then the bottle, and back again, his eyes moving slowly, Adam's apple bobbing as he swallowed. I wasn't expecting company. That's fine, Pam excused his disheveled appearance. Really, just, may I come in? There was still noticeable hesitation in his movements as he opened the door wider for her, granting her access, though he continued to obstruct her path for another few moments, before finally relinquishing his grip and allowing her past him. The house was, a mess. But Pamela realized that if she felt her house grew bigger when Harley passed, Wayne Manor must feel cavernous to Damien. Pamela waited until they'd entered the parlor and he'd poured himself a glass of whiskey from the bottle she'd brought to speak. How have your children been handling it all? She didn't want to ask about him just yet, as it was obvious from his appearance and the state of the house that the answer was, not well. Damien stood by the bar, his glass trembling in his hand as he watched her. They are four years younger than Joe was when Harley died, he told her, rather than answering her question. Three years younger than I was when my parents died. He let a brief silence descend before continuing. Why are you here, Pamela? I can buy my own alcohol. Especially now that your daughter isn't, isn't sapping my bank account anymore. He had to turn around mid-sentence, pretending like he'd done it to grab a few ice cubes for his drink, but Pam suspected it might have had more to do with the break in his voice. I have some questions for you, Pam told him. He leaned against the bar, still facing away from her. Have at it. The redhead pursed her lips. How sick was she? The night Kara and I came over. Damien cleared his throat. She woke up around 6 p.m. from a nightmare, called Anthony, then said she'd had a nightmare last night. Went straight to bed after you guys left, woke up a few hours later and asked me to, to touch her. But she. I understand, Pam saved him from further explanation. She was too weak to reciprocate. He didn't speak again, so she moved on. And when I called her that night, what happened after I hung up? 
Damien sniffed, taking a swig of his whiskey as he turned around, sitting down in one of the plush armchairs, his posture lacking. She cried. Mostly, she just cried. She knew about what Harley did to you in the car that night. Knew about a lot of things, actually. Pam swallowed. Her dreams got worse after Harley died, he muttered, staring down into his glass. She didn't even like to sleep, really. I'd have to wake her up because she'd be crying so hard. Crying and sweating and yelling, towards the end she said she could actually feel herself there, in your skin, not just see it. He trailed off for a moment. She pretended like she could tell the difference between your world and her reality, but the number of times she woke up thinking she was you proved that she was a fucking liar. Pam's chest felt tight, thick with the unmistakable weight of grief and guilt. We saw your texts on her last night, Damien admitted, rubbing his eye, his glass still clenched in his hand. She, she told me to reply that she was truly sorry for all the pain and grief she caused you. He shook his head. But I didn't send it. I was done with her apologizing. Told her I did, she died thinking I did, but I didn't. Pam took a shaky breath, tears beginning to mount behind her eyes. Did she die here? In the bedroom, he answered with a subdued nod. Can you show me? Pam whispered. Damien obliged her, his pace labored as he navigated the first level towards the stairs, ascending them with noticeable depression, his shoulders seeming to grow heavier with each step. There, he nodded, motioning with his glass from where he stood in the bedroom's open doorway his feet pointedly not crossing the threshold. May I? I don't care. Pam made her way slowly inside, cautiously, reverently, the king-size bed was unmade, and from Damien's body language in the doorway, Pam guessed he hadn't slept in here since. The bed was how Joe had left it. She traced a hand over the thick comforter, the soft sheets, it was all very luxurious. A deathbed fit for a queen. And since the Waynes ruled Gotham City, Queen, was a fitting position for the Mrs. Mrs. Wayne, she sure did love throwing that around. Not that side, Damien snapped as Pam went to lay down, she just wanted to see the view. But just as Kara had understood Pam not wanting her in her and Harley's bed, Pam understood why Damien wouldn't want her laying on Joe's side. So she chose him instead, laying her head down on the pillow and gazing up at the ceiling. Yes, this was it. Her dream that night, it hadn't been a dream at all. She'd seen Joe's life flash before her eyes, and looking at this ceiling now, it seemed Pam had been with her, seeing through her like she would any plant in her garden as life drained from her body. Pam raised a hand to cup her own cheek, asking, were you here for her, although she already knew the answer. He'd been right beside her. I almost left, he mumbled, picking at the wood of the doorframe. She told me I could, if I wanted to. But, um, he rubbed his eye again. But that's how I knew I had to stay. She said it would be easier to die alone anyway, but I, he sniffed. I couldn't leave her. She thanked you, Pam said, without removing her gaze from the ceiling. Was that the last thing she said? No, he stopped picking at the door frame. No, the last thing she said was, maybe Ma will have her legs back. Pamela felt the first tear trickle down her cheek. And before that? Um, Courtney brought her silver medal and hung it around Joe's neck, 
and she was pretty weak and confused, but she, Damien had to stop to clear his throat. She started crying, trying to get it off of her, saying she cheated, and, um, I don't, uh, again, he had to take a moment. I don't know what Courtney whispered to her, but whatever it was, Joe, she held the thing in her hand and said that she'd wanted to be good at this, not hurting people. Pam braved a glance, and found that Damien was resting his forehead against the doorframe now. She was wearing the medal when we buried her. He said, his eyes closed. Courtney said it was the least she could do. I don't know anything about the afterlife, but I figure a person that, grand, can't be contained to just 62 years, so I, I figured maybe she could show the medal off to Harley when she sees her. Tears were falling heavily down Pam's cheeks as she sat up. He was right. 62 years wasn't long at all. Joe had only lived for six years longer than Pam and Harley's marriage. Joe hadn't even made it to the age Pam was when she met Harley. And yet, every person Pam had spoken to in this last month had told her of the profound effect Joe had had on their life. Meanwhile, Pam had called Joe. Small. Discredited and belittled her experience and her decisions because it wasn't what she'd imagined for her. But there had been nothing small about Joe's life, it turned out. And the realization that this being Pam had created had changed people, from her friends and family, to cancer patients or the girls at her gym, Jolene had mattered, and she'd managed it all in only 62 years. She burned too bright. Damien, what was she to you? He was crying too, that much was obvious, but still, he tried to hide his face behind his hand when he said, she was the love of my life, and she abandoned me just like everyone else. Just like, he wiped fruitlessly in his eyes. Just like my father, just like my mother, just like my, Talia. She was my best friend, and my partner, and she left me. She said she never would. Mom told me Joe would always be there for me when I woke up, but, she gave up. Just like everybody else. As her eyes wandered from his shaking form, Pam found that, on the nightstand on his side of the bed was a framed picture from he and Joe's wedding. Pam had to wipe her eyes before she could really look at it, but it seemed to have been taken during their first dance. Joe's head was thrown back in a laugh, and Damien was smiling down at her, charmed, enamored, happy. Happy and completely smitten. And that's when something clicked for Pam. Something that she was sure she should have appreciated some time ago. Oh, honey. She stood from the bed. You really loved her. Damien looked up, bleary-eyed and confused as Pam closed the space between them, her arms wrapping around his back, pulling him flush against her in a warm embrace. His body was stiff at first, and she could feel his heart beating in his chest, the tremors of his silent crying vibrating through his body. But slowly, as she placed her hand on the back of his head and encouraged him to rest it on her shoulder, his body melted into hers and he let out his first audible sob. You're a good man, aren't you, she murmured through tears of her own. You were good to her. Damien, you were in so many of her memories, so much of her life, the parts she remembered, the parts she wanted to, you were there. You were it. I want it back, his words were muffled into Pam's neck, his tears soaking through the collar of her sweater. I want her back. I don't want to be alone. I know, sweetheart. Pam soothed as best she could while battling her own grief. I know. 
Pam clutched her cell phone in her hand as she climbed back into her car, buckling her seatbelt prematurely. She didn't move after that, not for a long while. Just stared blankly ahead, feeling dehydrated. Rung out. She'd been waiting to cry for a long time, and once it came, stopping just wasn't an option. It was dark outside now, and Pam felt rightly disoriented. She and Damien had taken a nap at some point in the afternoon, Damien hugging Joe's pillow close to him while Pam slept on Damien's. They'd both lost track of time, and now it was nearing 11 p.m. She'd arrived at Wayne Manor at noon. Eventually, Pam's gaze drifted to her cell phone, and after a deep breath, she dialed her number three speed dial. You've reached Jolene Wayne, please don't leave a voicemail. It's 2075. We've moved past that. If she had any tears left to cry, the sound of her daughter's voice would have triggered them. Hi, Joe, she began, her face pressed to the receiver. I just, I wanted to tell you that I read your letter. And, I went and saw Damien, like you asked me to. He's very sad, and, lonely. He's lonely. I was thinking I'd call your kids tomorrow to make sure they come and see him, I know Delilah practically lives there, but no one's really spoken to Daisy since you left, and Terry, I know it's a long trip, but Damien needs him. She took a heavy, shaking breath. I've learned a lot about you in the short time you've been gone. I never could get inside your head in the way you could mine, and, baby, I'm so sorry about that. When you were, I don't know if you remember, but we had a big fight when you turned 18. You were packing up your room to move in with Jason, and I asked you, no, actually, I yelled at you, why you were so mad at me. Why did you hate me so much? And you said it was because it was all about me, and never about you. That everything was always about me. Pam closed her eyes. I'm sorry that it took me until you died to realize why you felt that way. I'm so sorry that you had to see those things. That you weren't able to be a kid because your mind was crowded with images of, of rape and torture and anger and murder. I know you got to see some good stuff too, but there's nothing that could have erased that other stuff. I know that. I know, better than anyone, how the bad stuff can stick with you. Pam rested her head against the cold glass of her window. You were more than a trial run, Jolene. You were more than just a scientific achievement. You were my daughter and I loved you, still love you, more than I was ever able to express. And I'm so glad you found happiness. I'm so glad you found someone that loved you and understood you the way Damien did. And I am so proud of you, Jolene. So proud of your heart, and your intelligence, and your skill. I am proud of the life you made for yourself. I am so proud of you as a mother, and so proud of you as a wife. As a human being. I am every bit as proud to call you my daughter as you were to call me your mother. I promise you that. The phone gave her a 10-second warning, so she knew she had to hurry through the last part. And I'll use my wings, baby. You have my word on that. I love you, Jolene, and I always will. 